Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg. He's Steve. And today is July 1st. It is officially free agent day. Um, later on in the podcast, we have a couple of uh, interviews about the um, about the draft, and we can talk to uh, Drew Way and Steve uh, Cornianos later on in the uh, the podcast. But we're going to start this off talking about free agency. And the biggest thing that happened today, and we're going to go deep into this, is Mr. Artemi Panarin. So, Steve, uh, Panarin is now a Ranger. Um, it, you know, the, the, everything started getting leaked probably, I don't know, 1145-ish, you know, depending on who your sources are. Some people heard some stuff around 11, 1130 about what was going on. And then um, Rangers still haven't officially announced anything. But, you know, all the big guys have basically confirmed that it's all over TSN. It's all over um, it's all over the news. So um, even though there's, the Rangers haven't tweeted anything official, I think we can all agree that he is now a Ranger. Yes. I mean, today is Panarin Day. It's, um, I think... The most exciting free agency signing we've had, at least since Marion Gabrick, or maybe even longer. I mean, Marion Gabrick in 2009 was great, but I don't think he was as 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 a, as complete a player as Panarin is. I, I would tend to agree. The thing, um, the thing that I like about Panarin's game. Um, in today's, let's say today's modern NHL, right? Is his, he's got, he's an elite skater and he has an elite shot. It's not like he is, um, you know, he's not a fast burner, but his edge work and his skating is second to none. It's, it's incredible. And then you compare, you combine that with his dangles and his shot. He's, he is a, you know, top 10 winger in the NHL. And now he's the second, second highest paid player in the NHL. I think we can, we can say that, right? Second highest? Um, I don't. I don't know. Let me let me quickly look that up. But I think uh, he's. I think he because he's coming in from what we've seen at eleven point six, and I'm trying to think of what forwards are more expensive than him other than McDavid. Um, he uh, his cap hit is nine thousand dollars a year more or higher than Austin Matthews. Okay. You okay. have you have Drew Doughty at eleven, John Tavares at eleven, Eric Carlson at eleven point five. Austin Matthews, 11.634, and Artemi Panarin, 11.642. Correct. Um, but you have, to, you have to understand that uh, that Austin Matthews contract and the Conor McDavid contract at 12.5 are ridiculous because that includes some RFA years. Who are RFA years are cheaper to, um, to buy out during contract negotiations. Right. Um, Panarin was an unrestricted free agent, was able to talk to every team in the league. And the reports are that he had other offers that were higher. Um, I personally think that, that the highest offer he got was $13 million a year. I, cannot, I, I don't have confirmation on that, but from what I've heard, $13 million is what was offered to him. And he signed with the Rangers for 11.6. So he took a pay cut to... Uh, 
to play on Broadway. And yeah, there's there's also been reports that the island has offered twelve point five, and even as of last night, they were trying to make a last ditch effort to trade with Columbus to get that eighth year for for uh, for for negotiating rights, and he didn't even want that. So if you think about it, that the island was willing to offer a million dollars more. Columbus wanted him. Florida wanted him. And he basically said no to he said no to Florida. He said no to Columbus at, you know, they were doing everything they can at the last minute effort. The Islanders swooped in and says, hey, if if the eighth year is going to make or break it for you, why don't we tr- make a trade and get that eighth year? And he still said no. Um, it went past midnight. We came to today at 12 o'clock. And um, I said this morning on Twitter is that if by 12 o'clock, we don't hear anything that the Islanders have secured this position. We think that the Rangers are, are, are the favorite because I don't think, I think it's all, uh, you know, negotiating and, um, and leverage points are trying to, is agent trying to get the most bang for his buck. And to Gordon's credit, I didn't think that Panarin would get signed for under 12. Um, I was hoping for 11.5. That was kind of like, I would have been stoked at 11.5. They get him at 11.6. I'm, I'm not going to go nuts over a hundred thousand dollars. I'm really not like, that's just, that's just stupid. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my, my estimation was 11.75 million. Um, so looks I was like, off, it looks like we met in the middle. Yeah. I, I was off by a little bit. Um, but I, I, I know you later on said it's probably going to be close to 12 and anything below 12 million is, is a, is a good deal for the Rangers. Um, Agreed. I, I didn't think he would, I didn't think he would take, I, th- I thought because of Columbus circled back in it, the Islanders trying yeah. to give the last, you know, trying to give that eighth year by making a trade. Um, Florida being hot and heavy for him, actually move, you know, trying try to move some players to, to, to free, up, free up some salary. I thought all of those things, all of those signs pointed towards him getting at least 12 because there's too many, there's too many uh, players in the, in the pool. Yeah, you know and, I mean? like and there's, there's and, too many people in there. And apparently, Colorado was in the mix for like a split second as well. So there right. were there were one, two, three, four, five teams. Uh, Chicago talked to him, I think. Um, I don't know if they talked to him or if he ruled them out before the uh, before the uh, negotiation week started. Uh, but there were a lot of teams interested, and I mean, the Rangers adding Panarin. Uh, I know the cap hit is is extremely high for Ranger fans because the highest cap hit we have on the team right now is Lundqvist at 8.5 million, and that has been the highest cap hit uh, since he signed it. I think in 2014. So to go from the highest cap hit being 8.5 to now being 11.6, it could be a bit hard to swallow for Ranger fans on the surface when they look at it. But you have to understand that the salary cap has gone up significantly. It's now 81.5 million and 11.6 million is the equivalent of a $6 million deal in 2006, 2007. Um, yeah. And, 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 even, and, and even on top of that, um, you got to realize the fact that there were teams that were willing to, you know, throw out, you know, 12, 12 and a half, maybe $13 million at the guy. Yeah. And he's taking a less than a million dollars a year to stay with you, to, to sign with you. And you also combine the fact that, you know, this is a this. We're not talking about an average player here. Like, let's we need to we need to set some boundaries on what we're talking about. We're talking about an elite player. We're not talking about you know a guy who could be you know a, a second line player. No, you're talking about a top ten winger in the NHL, a point per game player. Yeah, those guys get ten million dollars. Look at look at look at Anders Lee right now, who's 
there are rumors floating around that he's looking for nine to nine and a half million. Matt Duchesne, what did he get? Nine million? Nine uh, and a half? I think it was eight, but that's in Nashville where there's no state income tax. So that fudges the numbers a little bit. Uh, okay. But that's the equivalent of probably 9.2 million a year. Uh, so salaries go up and this is this is basic inflation. The salary cap goes up and so do the salaries. It's 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 common sense. But like I said, I, I don't blame Ranger fans for being a little bit worried about this because we just we've never been in a situation where or it's been a long time that we've been in this situation where we spend 14 percent of the salary cap on one player. Um, no, no, we, we haven't. But I, I, this doesn't I mean, this doesn't bother me at all. Um, I know I've spoken to numerous uh, numerous people on this who are sometimes worried about what Panera is going to make, even the percentage of the of the cap that he's going to take up. But you have to understand that what the Rangers have put together here with, you know, all the young kids they have with Anderson and Heedle and Kravstov and Kako and, you know, getting Fox and, you know, all these. I mean, there, there's just a, an absurd amount of young kids on this team where for the next few years, they're going to be either on an entry-level contract or when the time comes, we can buy out those RFA and UFA years and keep them at a reasonable deal. This is going to be great long-term for the franchise because not every one of these players we have, not Anderson, Hedl, Kako, Krasov, all these guys, not every one of them are going to be stars. Not every one of them are going to warrant $10 million. But you know what? Here's the thing. Let's hypothetically say they all turn out to be studs. They all want you know $10 million plus, right? You become the Toronto Maple Leafs where you have the option to move them for more younger pieces when the time comes if, you don't, if you're not comfortable paying them. Yeah, and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are a good example of um, what the Rangers may look, have to look at in a couple of years. Let's just say that with, they have Matthews, uh, Marner, um, um, Nylander. Uh, let's say we and have... Tavares, too. Oh, and Tavares. Yeah, of course, I forgot about him. Uh, I was just thinking about the, the younger kids, you know. Um, so they have those four who, who, who have a significant cap hit. They had Patrick Marlowe at, at more than $6 million. Uh, they traded him to Carolina, who then bought him out. Uh, he might come back on a, on a cheap $1 million deal like, like the Washington Capitals did with Brooks Orpik, who they traded to Colorado together with Grubauer. Colorado bought him out, and then he went back to Washington for $1 million for one year. He still got his money from the buyout, plus the $1 million from Washington on his new deal. I think a similar thing with Marlowe might happen in Toronto. Um, but yeah, they have four players who make who make a pretty decent, let's say, pretty a very high salary in Toronto. Um, if the Rangers have four guys who are worth ten million a year, then you just trade one for for uh, an area where you need help, maybe a younger guy. Um, I'm pretty sure if Toronto is willing to trade Nylander or Kapanen, I, I I think that that would be worth a a blue chip prospect maybe on defense. Um, so if the Rangers are in that position in a few years, I don't think that's a bad, that's a bad thing. But um, this offseason has been one for the ages. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I don't think if, if someone would have told me on April 1st that we are going to, to pay $11.6 million a year for an unrestricted free agent on July 1st, I would have been livid. Because at the time, I didn't think we were going to be in a position where adding a guy like Panera would be a good thing. But then the draft lottery happened. 
Yeah, so now, and that's the thing. Like Capo Capo Caco actually completely changes this 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 whole entire rebuild. It's, and we've talked just, about this from when they won the, when they won the, the draft. It's not just Caco. We won the draft lottery on April 9th. That's also something I had debates about with people. Well, oh, by the way, say, the way, the Rangers, the Rangers actually just tweeted out um the it tweeted out official New York Rangers have agreed to terms with free agent forward Artemi Panarin. So it's official from the Rangers site. Okay, that's great. Um, you know, some people say we didn't win the draft lottery because we got the second overall pick. But if you play in the Powerball and you win $45 million and someone else wins 60, are you not a winner? Did you not win the lottery? You still won the lottery. But yeah, we got the second overall pick in the draft lottery. And then, and then things just started happening. You know, we, um, we signed Vitaly Kravtsov, we signed Igor Shestyorkin, we signed Yegor Rikov, we traded for Adam Fox. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, we had that amazing trade where we got Jacob Truba for Neil Pionk. For, for, for fucking Neil, Neil Pionk. I mean, like, that's just ridiculous. That's basically it, because it, in those two trades, we, we gave up Kevin Hayes and Neil Pionk for Brendan Lemieux and Jacob Truba. I mean, Jeff Gordon is a wizard. I just I don't know how how else to explain it. He's done an amazing job, and I think the guy deserves all the credit for where the Rangers are now. And not just with players. Look at the team he he assembled around him. The fact that he brought over uh, Nick Bobrov from Boston to run the uh, Department of European Scouting. The Rangers have been have been heavily scouting Europe the last couple of years, and getting Crofts off at nine. Heedle at 21, Niels Lundqvist at 28. That's that's those were all really good picks for players that were not really expected to go in those positions. Um, so yeah, Jeff Gordon has turned this around since he took over four years ago. Um, they drafted Tarmo Reunanen in 2016, who turns out oh, all signs point to him having a decent shot at, at being a good NHL defenseman. Um, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy how, how this front office has operated the last couple of years and just turned it around. And adding Panarin just makes sense. Yeah, I, the, the timing, I know some people were confused, at least in my opinion, confused on the, um, on the timing. Oh, Bob Roski, the deal got just announced. Seven years, 10 million. That's oh man, I don't know how to feel. What the, what what to say about that? I don't know. No, no movement clause, first five years too. Yeah, well, they probably only gave it for the first five years because they expect Spencer Knight to be NHL ready after five years. Like yeah, like yeah. Henrik Lundqvist, Igor Shestyorkin. You know, as Ranger fans, we know this. Goalies could can take up to five years to make it to the NHL. So getting giving him a no move clause for the first five years makes sense and. They could, they could always look into uh, trading him after those five years are over, and Spencer Knight should realistically take over from him as a starting goalie. But $10 million a year for a goalie, oof. That's, uh, so, yeah, so, so getting my cir- circling, I mean, that's a lot of money for a goalie. But, you know, I mean, like, like we kept talking about, the you know, things are going up. I mean, he got, he got carry price money, and, yeah, there you go. Um Anyways, getting back to, to the Panarin stuff, I mean, I think, you know, I think when you look at the amount of 
turnover and change and, and the direction that this franchise has gone over in the last you know 24 to 36 months, yeah, I mean, Panera now makes much more sense. Um, more so than he did, you know, even a year ago when I knew that he'd be a free agent. Because I, I remember a year ago when he was going to be a free agent, I was kind of iffy on it. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, are we even going to have enough talent around to make it worth it? Like, is he just going to kind of, is he, is he only going to do keep our head above water for a couple of years? But now that you see all the talent that's here, yeah, I think it's starting to make sense. You know, you bring in, now you bring in Truba. Um, you've got, a, you know, a bunch of defensemen that probably can play. Um, Shostorkin's coming over, and, and so is he going to be the backup now? I mean, you got you got three goalies fighting for spots, you know, and obviously Lundqvist is going to be here for the next two years. So there's just there's there's a lot of pieces here, and it's moving in the right direction. I, I don't think it's unfair to say that the Rangers in 2019-2020 are a playoff contending team. That's not unfair to say right now. When you look at the lineup and you've got um, Zabanajet and Panarin on one line, you've got Kako and Kravstov, you've got you know, you've still got Booch. You've still got Kreider. I mean, they could legitimately roster three very good top lines. So yeah. it's not. It would not. It would not shock me if they make the playoffs next year. But in the same breath, if they don't make, if they don't make the playoffs, it's fine because this is this is. I mean, you're a year or two early in this rebuild, and it's going in the right direction, which is which is amazing, and that's exactly what you want to hear. So the Rangers actually go into 2019 and 2020 with complete house fucking money. They go into there thinking, roll the dice, we make the playoffs, make some noise, get some experience. The kids learn, the kids develop, great. We don't, and the kids still the kids are still developing and learning, and we get another you know lottery pick awesome there's no downside to next season no and 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 this is this is where where it gets really exciting because i think i think number one uh uh priority is for the prospects to develop uh this is something that we discussed a couple of weeks ago if the rangers if the rangers have either a really good season where they barely miss the playoffs and get like the 15th overall pick and the prospects develop the way they want them to, they'll take that as a win. Um, so, it, it, and, and I am just happy that Kravtsov has shown so much during prospect development camp. Because this, need, this needs to be talked about as well. I know this is all about Panarin signing. But Vitaly Kravtsov came over and everything, everyone was talking about Capo Kako. And it felt like Vitaly Kravtsov was not even in the conversation anymore. And then he, he, he joined the Rangers for the prospect development camp, and he was on fire. I mean, Kravtsov and Kako played against each other during the scrimmages, and the videos I've seen, I mean, it's a joy to, it's a joy to watch. And I would not be surprised if Kravtsov and Kako uh, get close to 50 points this upcoming season. I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Um, and it's just exciting for Ranger fans to finally have prospects that are legitimate contenders for the Calder. Yeah, I mean, and, and, that, and that gets kind of lost in this conversation because today is Panarin Day, but we keep forgetting about that the Rangers might have you know three Calder candidates in uh, Kako, Kravstov, and Fox yeah. you know, for the 2019-2020 season. So, yeah. look, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to imagine. Um, I mean, th this, it is a great look. It is a great day for it is a great day to be a Ranger fan. Um, it's a great day for the Ranger organization. 
Um, they're they're trending in the right direction. They're doing all the right things. Um, you just look at the names, like we said, they've added in the last. Look in the last, you know, several months. They've added Truba, Fox, Panarin, and Kako in like what three months, four months. Um, early April is when it started. So it's uh, it's yeah, incre- it's incre- it's it's really it's really freaking incredible, man. Like it's yeah. I. I I, I mean, I knew that the re- that the, the rebuild was going in the right direction. I had no idea it would go this well, this fast. So having said that, let's pump the brakes a little bit and let's start to retract a little bit because I don't want to get too gung-ho just yet. I want to start thinking about how we're going to fill the rest of these, these yeah. this roster out. So well, well, One quick thing. Uh, the official announcement by the Rangers on Twitter, they have Panarin as a right-handed shot this time. I know I saw that actually. They actually got it right this time. Yeah, they got it right. I wonder if that guy who who uh, put him as a lefty the first time is like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second I, chance. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I can't mess this up twice, can I? No, but I mean, this it's just so exciting. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I was I was on my way home from work. I mean, I'm, I'm six hours ahead of you know, Eastern time zone, of course. So I was on my way to work at 5 p.m. local time, 11 a.m. your time. And um, I saw reports of Jimmy VZ traded to Buffalo. And, yeah, I was actually just going to get into that. That was the next thing. That, if there was any doubt, then that sealed it. Because... Well, yeah, no, you're completely right about that. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, and I brought this up on Twitter as well, um, I just think it's 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 kind of funny that we traded Jimmy Vesey to the team he refused to sign with three years ago as a free agent. Because we should we should remember that he was drafted by Nashville, but Buffalo gave up a third round pick for his rights when he uh, when he came out of college, and he didn't sign because he wanted to test free agency on on August fifteenth. Yeah, and then the other the other interesting thing about that is. Um, Buffalo took all the money. So essentially it was pretty much a cap dump. It was, it was a cap dump for, I think 2.75 million. Um, yeah, and, it was just, 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 just shy of 3 million, right? A little under that. Uh, yeah. Um, and we, we still, we still have some, uh, some things to settle, you know, Panarin is signed. Truba is still a restricted free agent. And then we have Bucinevich, uh, Lemieux and D'Angelo. Um, so I think there's still a move uh, uh, in the works. Uh, maybe maybe Namesnikov is traded uh, to to you know create some cap space, but they need to make a move or two to um, to make sure they can fit everything under the cap. I'm not too worried about that. Um, I'm just I'm just really interested to see what's going to happen with Chris Kreider now, because uh, the Rangers now have a decision to make: is Kreider part of the future? Yes or no? Are they going to commit to him? Or are they uh, are they in a position with him the way they were with Zuccarello and McDonough and Kevin Hayes, where they said, "Listen, we we don't want to commit to this long term, so we're going to trade them either in the off season or at the deadline, which whichever offer we like the most." Yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting to see what's going to happen. So um, I I know that trading away Kreider is is not something that fans want to see. But at the end of the day, hockey is a business. And we're in it to win it. And as Herb Brooks always said, you know, um, the name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. 
Yeah, I agree 100. percent And the interesting thing about this is is the um, Chris Kreider stock as of you know 12 o'clock today has just went through the roof because the teams that missed out on Panarin might want Chris Kreider, Colorado might want Chris Kreider, Columbus might want Chris Kreider, Florida might want Chris Kreider. Um, the teams that will miss out on any the other pending UFA free agents out there that are forwards. They all, when they miss out on their forwards, might want Chris Kreider. So his stock is just going to go up in terms of what you're going to get as a return for him, even as a rental. So I think, I think Jeff, and the fact that Jeff Gordon tried trading him at the, at the, uh, the draft for a first round pick and Colorado kind of balked at that makes me think that now missing out on Panarin Colorado might circle back and say, you know what, we'll give you next year's pick, maybe. Um, yeah, could be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a team is not going to trade away a prospect they drafted a week ago. Um, yeah, but, that would be highly unlikely. Yeah, but imagine if imagine the Rangers had the same target at 16 as Colorado. Imagine the Rangers were also interested in Newhook. Um, like I said, it's, it's highly unlikely that a team trades away a draft pick a week later. But if the Rangers are really interested in Newhook, then they should at least ask about it. Uh, but it's not just Colorado. I mean, every team that missed out on Panarin should be in on Kreider. And it could be Columbus. Uh, it could be Colorado. It could be Florida. Because um, Florida, they, they added uh, Brett Connolly, which is a move that I don't understand at all, but uh, the Islanders still have a lot of cap space. And I think now that Panarin is, is no longer available, the Islanders might just go and, and re-sign Anders Lee and try to acquire a different, a different winger. And Kreider is definitely the best winger that's, that's on the market. Or at least one of. I mean, there's also rumors... Um... I don't know if you saw if you saw this, but there's lots of rumors about uh, Sebastian Ajo being on the market. Mm, yeah, but I think Sebastian Ajo is going to be significantly more expensive than uh, Kreider, who signed for one more year. Oh no, no argument about that. I no mean, Ajo he's another option that's out there. So yeah, but uh, he wants to you know pony up lots of assets. Sure, I mean you can have Sebastian Ajo. Um, yeah. Of course, no matter what, you, you know, your Kreider's going to be cheaper than Sebastian Ajo. There's no, there's no way around that. Yeah, and Ajo's also a center. So if, 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 if teams are really looking for, for help on the wing, then I think, I think Kreider is the, is the best player that's available unless Toronto is going to uh, uh, make Nylander available for whatever reason. I don't think it's going to happen, but... Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I trust Gordon. Um, if, there, if there are fans out there that had their doubts about Jeff Gordon, then after the offseason we just had, those doubts should be gone. They, 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 there's, there's no reason to doubt this guy. Um, he's, he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he really has. And I, don't, I know we keep talking about that, but I think it's something that really needs to get reiterated a whole lot more, actually. I mean, I, I don't think anybody really predicted us to be here at this point. And I, I, I've said this at nauseum, and I still think it's, it's, still, it's still true. 
Yeah, and and when JD joined the organization, John Davidson, when he joined the organization, I know a lot of Ranger fans were really happy, and you know, because he's a fan favorite, and he joined the organization that he was with as a goalie and later as an announcer. But we need to set one one thing straight here, because Larry Brooks indicated something in his tweets today. I think a lot of people still believe that John Davidson is the general manager, and that's not the case. Jeff Gordon is the architect of this rebuild. John Davidson is the president. He oversees the more general um, state of the of the franchise. Um, Jeff Gordon deserves all the credit, and maybe John Davidson, you know, got a little bit involved with the whole Panera thing, but yeah, I actually think um, my gut tells me the Panarin thing is is. Uh, is a J is 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 heavy JD. Um, that's just my gut. I mean, I think I think Gordon wanted him. I think JD. I think JD got it done. That's just. Yeah, okay. uh, that's, I, that, I, I, I would. That's I would fine. Think. That's fine. But the rest of the rebuild, Gordon has worked on this for for three four years. Oh yeah, absolutely. He gets the most. He gets the. Gordon gets ninety five percent of the credit of where we are today. Yeah, acquiring Zibanejad for Brassard is what what started it for me. Rejuvenate oh yeah, that was the, the that was the start of the rebuild for sure. Yeah, we could we could run a power play with five Russians now. Yeah, <laughs> who would have thought, right? And we actually have some defensemen that might be able to run it too. Yeah, so you have Rikov on defense, and then on offense you go with Kravtsov, Panarin, Butchnevich, and Nemesnikov. If Nemesnikov stays with the Rangers. Yeah, and that was actually going to be the the follow up to what we were talking about. Oh, okay, yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. this roster is is so where where are we on this roster now? Uh, who's moving Who's moving on from this roster? Um, um, actually, I cap friendly now, so we're going to go to the Rangers roster. Mm-hmm. So our projected cap space as of right now is eight point seven million, and that's obviously with our Tammy Panera now now being signed through twenty twenty six. So looks like. We've got Brendan Lemieux to sign, Pavel Buchnevich, Jacob Truba, Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, and I think Jacob Truba will get between seven and eight million a year. Okay, so then we're gonna have to free up some cap space somewhere, which we, we talked need, about that. We need to we, we need that to we do up, that was Yeah, we need to free up cap space for Lemieux, Buchnevich, and D'Angelo. Correct. Um, I think Namesnikov is gone. There there were some teams interested in him. Um so we'll see what's, what happens in the next couple of days. Um, Ryan Strom, I think, is a candidate for a trade. Uh, he, had a, he had a really good season. He, he had a surprisingly good season for the player he is and the history he has in the NHL. But there's a little bit of doubt in my mind. that if, if Can he do it again? Yep. Um, so if, if a team wants to take a flyer on Ryan Strom, then, then take him. Be my guest. Is there uh, any chance that Brendan Smith or or Kevin Shattenkirk are gone this summer? Uh, I don't think that's that's likely in a trade, um, but there's also the possibility of a buyout because the first buyout window closed. But um, according to, if I remember this correctly, page three hundred and forty-five of the CBA, a team that has a player-elected arbitration scheduled is eligible for the second buyout window, regardless of whether or not that arbitration ends up in, in, an, in an awarded contract or 
uh, even the t- if the team and the player uh, agree on a contract during the arbitration, they are still eligible for the second buyout window. And I would not be shocked if Brandon Smith is bought out. I don't see them buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. But Brandon Smith, uh, not unlikely. So if you, if you trade Nemesnikov and buy out Brandon Smith, that would give you about six, six million, um, maybe even seven. Because uh, the cap hit for the buyout for Brandon Smith is is three point one million next year, but this year it would be under a million, and years three and four will be one point one. So you could make it work with a, with a Brandon Smith buyout and the Mesnikov traded for uh, for picks or prospects, something that's that that doesn't end up on the salary cap. And I think there's a market for a guy like Nemesnikov. Uh, a team like Edmonton might look at Nemesnikov and say, hey, he, he did really well in Tampa when he played with high offensive players, Stamkos and Kucherov. Maybe we can put him with McDavid or Dreisaitl, have him be the, uh, the solid two-way guy on the wing who can pop a few goals and add some assists. And $4 million for a guy who might put up 40, 50, maybe even 60 points, that's pretty good value for a team like Edmonton. Because Edmonton needs to, needs to do something. They need to add some depth. Um, they have they had two players hitting a hundred points last year, and they still missed the playoffs. Right. So I think the Mesnikov to Edmonton, to me, makes sense. Uh, I, st- I, st- I still think Chris Kreider to Edmonton makes the most sense. Yeah. Okay, Chris Kreider, but th- there might be other teams involved, and we also have to remember that Chris Kreider has a no trade clause where he can list eleven teams. Yeah, I mean, but I think I don't think he'd. I mean, I, I understand why you wouldn't want to go to Edmonton, but I could also understand, let's say for a year, why you would want to go to Edmonton because you are going to boost your your value by playing with Connor McDavid. Matter of fact, I would argue that him going there would probably be better for his career. Yeah, I mean, that's it's like it's like the 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 Corey Perry contract, you know? He he signs rumored at least uh, a one year deal with Dallas. Uh, and if he has a really good season, he can cash in as a UFA next year instead of signing a two or three year deal where he has a little bit more guaranteed money, but you know, he's get, he's, he's betting on himself and Kreider could maybe do the same in that scenario, bet on himself to have a really good season in Edmonton and then cash in as a free agent. Yep. Um, Yep. I completely agree. Um, so Here's a, little, here's a little statement from uh, the Rangers about Artemi Panarin. It says, he's a game changer and he's ours. Ranger fans deserve the best. That is why we are excited to tell you that we have signed uh, star forward Artemi Panarin. Uh, um, Artemi is a skilled, dynamic player who will come to New York and electrify the garden. Um, this 27-year-old veteran will be a strong mentor for our emerging players. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good description. I mean, it's a 27-year-old guy who, uh, who played on really good teams in Russia. Uh, played with uh, Chicago and Columbus here. And, yeah, um, I, I, think, I think one of the most interesting things, uh, just re- I didn't want, sorry to interrupt, but I think one of the most interesting things about Panarin, um, I remember when he was traded from Chicago to Columbus, and one thing I worried about, I was like, I really hate this trade for, for Chicago. I thought it was a terrible trade when it happened. Um, for Brendan Sopp. Oh, dude, that is a, you want to talk about a, like Columbus like hijacked that fucking trade. Like, they should be arrested for that trade, seriously. 
But having said all of that, my concern was how much of his play is being driven by Patrick Kane. Then he goes to Columbus, and he, he just plays even better. And I'm like, okay, it's not about Patrick Kane. I mean, the guy can play by himself. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, that trade for Brendan Saad, it was all about, ca- about, about the salary cap. Because at the time, Panarin had two years left at $6 million, and Chicago knew that they could not afford him. Uh, but that's and, because they gave they they gave like they gave uh, so many other guys who really didn't deserve it, you know, ten million dollar contracts for like for ten years. Oh no, no, of course. I mean, the, the Brent Seabrook contract is is among the worst in the league. They have six point eight million for another five years for a guy who's barely an NHL defenseman. He is Chicago's Mark Stahl. Um, <laughs> that that's a good one. He's Chicago's Mark Stahl. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, Jonathan Taves and Petra Kane make ten point five million each. I think that, was, that that's more the reward of of you know you won us three cups. Uh, here's your uh, retirement, you know, right. your early retirement money. Um, but I, I mean, Chicago has made some some weird trades over the years. Um, of course, they traded uh, Brandon Saad for Artem Anisimov first. And then they traded, like I said, Panarin for Saad because Saad had two more years. They had the same cap hit, six million, but Saad had two more years, so they knew what they had in him. Um, and so they got Brendan Saad back. And now, I think yesterday, they traded for Andrew Shaw again. Um, I guess if you ever won a cup with Chicago, they they would like you back. Um, it's it's it would be like the Rangers acquiring Derek Brassard and Carl Haglin and and Anton Strollman all over again, with the difference that they didn't win a cup. But it's it's like it's like Stan Bowman is trying to you know bring back the glory days by take, taking all these players back. Yep, Panarin as a free agent is is a huge a huge price for us. It's it's another lottery that we won. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I, that's it, that's exactly it. And you didn't have to give up any assets aside from cash. Yeah, Larry Brooks earlier today tweeted, uh, "What would you prefer, Artemi Panarin for twelve million a year or Sebastian Aho for ten million a year on an offer sheet?" Yeah, I mean that's just insane. Uh, is that I, really? I, I, and I really like and I like Aho. I like him. Like it's not about it's not about Aho the player or Aho's age. It's about giving him that money plus giving up. Because I think what he was talking about is the four first-round picks. He means yes. like probably he meant Aho at, at ten point six versus Panarin at eleven point six. Well, it could and still be ten million. It could still be ten million because in an offer sheet, if the offer is more than five years, then the annual average value is is divided by five. So if you offer him six years for ten million. It would be 60 divided by five. So the, the cap hit for the compensation calculation would come down to 12 million. So even though it's it's below that 10.6 million uh, uh, benchmark, you would still give up the four first round picks. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, is this even a question? No, um, no. You, 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 no. You, you do that all day long. You sign Artemi Panarin for $12 million. I'm saying if this was an option. You do that all day long and you hold on to your picks. Yeah. So it's basically Panarin for $12 million a year plus four first-round picks or Sebastian Ajo at $10 million a year. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think what the, and like I said, what the Rangers are doing are, is the right thing. They're getting elite talent and they're stocking their cupboard and keeping their picks like a smart organization does. This is what good organizations do. This is what Toronto does. This is, you know, this is what um, the Boston Bruins do. This is what the, the Pittsburgh Penguins do. They go and they get elite talent and they don't, they, don't, they don't give up too many picks. They keep their picks and they just keep restocking. And that's how they get better. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh is obviously going to go through a little bit of a rebuild, I think, sooner than later. But, um, you know, they made a, a run for over a decade with, you know, with two Hall of Famers. And they won you know? three cups. Yeah, exactly. And this is and if, if, if you're the Rangers and you want to have that kind of sustained success where you're a top four team in the East for a decade, guess what? You need to go get yourself an Artemi Panarin. You need to draft really well. You need to have a lot of young kids in your cover that you could plug in. Somebody goes down. Someone gets traded. Someone regresses. Good. You plug somebody else and there's got to be somebody to step right in and contribute right away. You know, you have to have a development system in Hartford that is ready to groom these guys who you pick in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round who are, you know, could be NHLers if they're groomed properly and maybe you get some trade value out of them and you're able to do something with that. Like all of these little factors contribute to a successful organization and the Rangers are headed in that right direction. Yeah, and and the last couple of years have been really exciting. Not not just with with uh, um, you know watching the prospects, but the, the trades we made. You know, you 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 trade Michael Grabner away at the at the deadline, and you acquire a second round pick and Yegor Rikov, who, for me at least, is a dark horse to to make a huge impact this season. Um, I I think he he could be a third pairing defenseman. Straight from from the start of the season, he will battle with Libor Hayek um, for a spot on the team, and I, I I think he has a good chance to win it. Uh, he was a top pair defenseman in Russia this last season, and um, yeah, he just I, I think he's a very underrated prospect. Yeah, I think that's very fair. So and and, uh... and, and, and so sorry, and and the draft uh, last week, you know, it's still. It's still unreal that we came away with with Capo Caco at second overall, but what we did after that, you know, having a few days to let it sink in and looking at the picks, uh, Levy Altonen for me is is the pick of the draft for the Rangers. As happy as I am with Capo Caco at two, at second overall, that was a given. Levy Altonen in the fifth round, that was that was huge. Yeah, and I'm and what's what's great about uh, today's podcast is that later on we're gonna talk to, or I should say, we've already talked to them. But later on in the show, you guys can listen to to Drew and Steve talk about these guys a little bit more. And it seems like seems like both uh, Drew and Steve, just a little preview, are pretty happy with what the Rangers did this, uh, you know, in the 2019 draft. Aside from Mr. Capo Caco, so. You know, now once you look at what the Rangers are doing in the free agency and and then on the trade front, and then you combine that with what they've done at the draft, I mean, the Rangers, like I said, and we keep talking about this, are headed, are just are doing everything right. Everything is coming up aces for the Rangers. I mean, everything is just in the right direction for them, and I and then it cannot be, it cannot be uh, said enough. Um, I do want to go back to a few more possible moves. So we talked about VC going to Buffalo. Obviously, that was a cap dump. We talked about possibly Nemesnikov getting moved, maybe Chris Kreider. Um, how do you feel about Ryan Strom maybe getting moved? Uh, what about a Jesper Faust? Is it possible that Pavel Buchnevich gets moved? Um, I think I think it's with Buchnevich until he signs a contract. I think it's a possibility. I don't think the Rangers want to trade him, but the Rangers 
have a different uh, um, are looking at a different contract for him. Um, I think you know the last couple of years the Rangers have shot themselves in the foot with bridge deals. We've seen it with Stepan. We've seen it with Kreider. Look at Kreider. If you would have Kreider for three more years at 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 five and a half million, he oh, would that's be, a whole, that's a steal. He would be a great asset. But oh, yeah, instead, absolutely. because we bridged him, now we have to decide what to do when he is 28. Um, and I think the Rangers want to prevent that from happening with Bucinevich. He's coming off an entry-level contract. He's 24 years old. I think they see some potential in him, and they want to sign him long-term. Now, for the Rangers, that would be a, a little bit of a risk. But, you know, you need to you need to take a risk to get rewarded. And if you look at teams like Nashville, the reason they have such a great defensive core is because they commit to uh, to the talent they they identify. They, they 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 look at guys like Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and they go and or Ryan Ellis, and they go, listen, we're gonna go, we're gonna commit to you long term. And if the Rangers do that with Butchnevich, if they give him a six or seven year deal now for six million a year, it might be a bit steep at first. But as the cap goes up and as Butchnevich is still developing as a, a, a 24-year-old winger who has been in the league for only three years, um, that, that contract could look, could look really good in, in two, three years. On the other hand, you have Butchnevich who probably prefers a bridge deal because f- with the same reasoning, he could sign a cheaper deal now for two years you know, um, uh, bet on himself uh, to to really make an impact, to, to become that 25, 30 goal scorer, maybe even 60, 65 points, maybe even hit that 70 mark once or twice. And then in two years from now, he could really cash in. So if, if the Rangers cannot get the contract they want with Bucinevich, uh I could see them moving Bucinevich for for a different piece. Yeah, I, I I think that's totally fair. And I think the thing, I think that it doesn't get talked about enough is how bad bridge deals are for an organization. Um, I'll give you an example. Let's, 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 look at, let's look at Brady Shea, for example, right? Okay, so you look at Brady Shea, and I, I think off the top of my head he's making a little, probably a little over $5 million, right? Like five, 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 five point two, five point two. Okay, right. So a little over $5 million. And some people were upset with when that was when that deal was made. Now you go look at some of like, you go look at what Myers is going to be making. Go look at what Truba is going to get now as he's a UFA. And you look at that Brady Shea deal and you're going to go, wow, we've got a top, you know, a, one of our top four defensemen at $5 million, which is hardly anything of our cap. That is incredible. And these are the kind of deals you want to do as an organization. You want to take a kid who's in his early to mid twenties and say, will you take a five year, six year deal and, 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 and then bank on the player. Because even if the player turns out to be whatever he is at the current time, you sign him as the cap increases, that, that contract looks even better. And if he outperforms his contract, then you look like a genius. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the difficult thing about this is you have to you have to identify which players to bridge and which ones to commit to. Um, a guy like Derek Stepan, we should have committed to after his entry level contract. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but there was there there were some people who who at the time felt that a bridge deal was not the right call. Um, on the other hand, you have guys like Jesper Fast, Jimmy Vizi. Um, those are the guys you give a bridge deal because those are like the, your bottom six guys 
who will probably not make uh, as much of an impact uh, in the in the two three years after signing that second deal. Um, but when it comes to guys like Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, and Mika Zibanejad is a is, is a seventy point player for five point three million. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That's that's it's, that's, it's really ridiculous. Like it, it it's almost absurd. Yeah, and and yeah, the Brady Shea contract. There there was some there were some people who didn't like it because they thought, oh, five point two million for Brady Shea, who only had two or three seasons in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, it might look a bit steep now, but as and and we've seen this with the salary cap. The salary cap is going up. That's that's how inflation works. Again, when the salary cap goes up, the cap hit percentage goes down. And this is how, like I said, a team like Nashville was able to have Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, and P.K. Subban on the same team. Yep. And, and, that's, the, that's, and, the, that's and the interesting thing, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. And this is exactly like, if I had to predict the future of what the Rangers are doing, the Rangers are, the Rangers are sort of building this hybrid model between a few franchises of, of what they're doing. They're taking a little bit from different, different, different organizations of what they've done right. For example, they're taking a little, they want to take a little bit out of the Nashville book in terms of betting on a player, buying out their UFA years, and controlling them long term so that either means they can trade them for cheap or they have incredible value at a cheap, at a cheap cap hit. Number two, what they're doing with excuse me, what they're doing uh, that Toronto has done very, very well is you win uh, a lottery draft, a.k.a. Mr. Austin Matthews, and you transfer that to Mr. Capo Caco, right? That they've done right. And then they just keep on plugging away with these other high-end kids, and you just keep hoping some of them bank and, and work out. And if you do, you've got assets you can move. Toronto, for all the shit we give them, are in a great position because they've got a lot of guys controlled and they've got a lot of guys they can flip. So they've got lots of um, flexibility. The problem with the with the um, uh, the Leafs is that they've also, you know, they've got to shed some bad contracts in terms of, you know, what what their defense did. And obviously, they did that with Zaitsev, and that's a few other moves they're probably going to make. But they're heading in that right direction. You know what? Rangers are in the same boat. They need to shed some bad contracts, a la, you know, Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl. And um, we can argue about Kevin Shankrick. I don't actually don't think it's a, that bad of a contract because it's not that long. But, you know, the the Smith and the um, and the Stahl one are pretty bad. So the Rangers are heading in that right direction. They have incredible cap flexibility when you when you when you look past the, you know, the 20 when you look past the 2021 season. I mean, who do they got signed? They've really got Artemi Panarin. Mika Zibanejad, Brady Shea, and their UFAs. I mean, they're, they're uh, restricted free agents and their entry-level guys, right? That's it. Yep. That's it. I mean, what does that really come out to? I think, I honestly think that, the, that their, their cap hit right now at, 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 in 2021 is something like $25 million. I mean, uh, what 20, is that? 24.2. That's, that's not a bad guess. <laughs> what does that put you at? Like, you know, 55 to $60 million in cap space? I mean, that's insane. 50, 57. Uh, well, uh, that's... that's 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 based on the eighty-one point point five. So it'll it'll probably go up because it'll Seattle probably go up. You're probably looking at that point once because that'll be at a time when Seattle comes in the market. You're probably looking at like sixty million dollars in cap space, and you're telling me that sixty million in cap space and you can't control. You know, uh, I mean, Chris Carr is probably not going to be on the team. Neither is uh, Nemesnikov. Neither is Strom. Neither is um, Bolesky. I mean, I'm not sure about Fat Fost or anything like that. But who do you have? You've got Anderson, Howden. Uh, Lemieux, Hedl, Ushnevich, maybe. I mean, like all of these guys, you can are all sub 23, 24 years old, and you can control them. Yeah, 
And it's, yeah, like I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. And then by that time, all the all the defensemen that we've drafted, guess what? Now they start coming into the fold, and you're look, you're going past your Shattenkirks and your Stalls and your and your Brendan Smiths. You know, you're looking at your core being guys like your your Adam Foxes. You know, you're looking at Shea being your actually your veteran presence on the team. You know, Shea and Truba, who will be your first defensive pairing, at that point are going to be 28 in the prime of their career, probably, and they're going to be the they're going to be the oldest guys on the team at 28 in terms of your defensemen. That's incredible. Yep, because the other guys will be Niels Lundqvist and Keandre Miller and 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 Anthony D'Angelo, who probably maybe still be on the team by then. And and you could argue that like you know at this point you know is he trade bait? You know that that's another option. You know, like I like Anthony D'Angelo, but you know, with all the defensive prospects that are coming in, if a team comes in and says, "Wow, we really need," you know, we would really love to have a, a nice right-handed defenseman that we can that we can sign for for four years, um, at you know, in, in his early twenties. Maybe somebody banks on him and gives you something really nice, and then all of a sudden you say, "Cool, we'll let that happen." And now we slide in, you know, and, and Fox and Truba move up a slots, and there you go. Because you've got, you know, you've got Truba and you've got Fox that are both right-handed defensemen, so they can slot in very easily. There's no reason why Adam Fox can't take over the minutes for Anthony D'Angelo right now. No reason why he can't. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, uh, there there was a uh, a report that the um, the salary that was initially offered by the Islanders was about six hundred thousand dollars more than the offer by the Rangers. How much more? Six hundred thousand. But I think. I th- I think that was before the Islanders re-upped their uh, their their final. I think so too. I think that was probably their that was probably their initial offer. But did you know that the Rangers got six hundred thousand dollars in cap space earlier this week? Oh, they did. Yeah, because Vancouver bought out Ryan Spooner, and we retained nine hundred k, and the cap hit after the buyout is only three hundred. So. It's thank, a, thank you, thank you, Vancouver, because that's our Timmy Panarin money. It is, it is, it is a very low key move that happened on the other side of the continent, but it it did help the Rangers out a little bit. Um, and you know, the, the Rangers are in a position where, and the Rangers are always in a position where they spent up to the cap. Um, and now with Panarin, they they are pretty close. They still have to sign Truba, Butchnevich, Lemieux, D'Angelo. And yeah, there there are going to be moves made in in the next two three weeks. Um, yeah, it's really it's really hard to say what's going to happen. But if you have to guess, yeah, you you just I I keep coming back to Nemesnikov, who's going to be traded, uh, or Kreider. One of those two is gone. I'm 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 fully believing that I think I think Kreider is gone. I just don't know when. I I I think that the fact that they tried moving him. Already at the you know at the draft, just has me thinking. Yeah, it has to happen. I just don't know where or when or what the package is, and but I do think now that you put Panarin in the fold, it just it becomes easier to move him. And if you really want to be honest, the Rangers are sitting sitting very pretty in this situation because a lot of teams now are going to say, oh, we need another another top end winger. We'll yeah. give you. We'll give you, I don't know, maybe Vegas will say we'll give you, you know, I don't know, someone. Well, with Vegas, I'm still, I'm still very intrigued by their cap, uh, cap situation because they are over the cap by now, um, which to me is, is shocking. How yeah, does I think it's, team, it's incredible, right? How does a team that came into the league two years ago 
are already over the cap. Of course, they have Flurry at seven million, which is is not a bad contract for three more years. He's been a really good goalie for them. But then, I mean, yeah, Mark Stone is a good guy, but nine point five million—that's that's a huge chunk of their salary cap. Uh, Pacioretty seven million, Stasny six point five, William Carlson five point nine—not a bad deal. But it's another. Yeah, that's actually real. That's actually a really good deal for. Yeah, but it's another deal over five million that's on the books, and and they're now in a situation where they have twelve forwards, five defensemen, and one goalie without any cap space. So they have to make a move too. Yeah, they do. Um. Um, and, and what would it take? What would it take to get Gusev? Look, I, I've I've been a fan of Gusev for years. I've seen him play so many times here in Europe. If we could get Gusev, that that would be that would be huge. Um, I don't know. Would would Vegas be interested in giving up Gusev if they can offload David Clarkson's contract? Would that be enough? What, what's what's he making? Uh, 5.2, but you can put him on IR. The Rangers, and it, it's this thing with IR. IR doesn't give you cap space. It just gives you the possibility to spend over the cap for the amount that's on IR, which means you don't bank cap space to use it at the end of the season. Right. Um, the Rangers, not that, it's not really that helpful because they're, they're kind of cap struck. Yeah, the, Rangers, the Rangers are not a playoff team, so the Rangers are not even looking at acquiring... Uh, a rental at the deadline. And this is why banking cap space is important for playoff teams. You know, every day, uh, let's say let's say you have one million in cap space every day. Um, you divide the number of days uh, that that have that have passed in the season up to the trade deadline. Right. Uh, you divide it by or the other way around. You divide the total number of days by the number of days that have passed. And that is your 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 cap space on trade deadline trade deadline day. But if you're over the cap, even with uh, with players on IR, you're not banking that cap space on a daily basis. What about what about taking on Ryan Reeves for a year at two point seven? So it gives them relief, brings them under the cap, gives them a million dollars worth of flexible money, and then you, you give them a draft pick and you take Gusev. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'm I'm a, I'm a big Gusev fan, so if we could get Gusev, I'm 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 willing to go pretty far to get Nikita Gusev. Um, NHL on NBC just tweeted out a picture of Panarin in a Rangers jersey. Guess what number they gave him? Uh, seventy-two. I don't know. Number nine. Nine. nine? Oh, jeez. Geez. <laughs> I mean, do these people not know? Uh, clearly, know. clearly, they don't. Yeah, I guess they forgot who Adam Graves is. And Bathgate. That's it's the number we retired twice. How, well, well, right. What I'm saying, like, but that's the most recent number. Of yeah. Them, so you can't even remember that. Like, I don't know. By the way, do you know who the last player was to uh, to wear number nine for the Rangers? No. Who? Pavel Bure. Oh, nice. Do you know nice. who the last player was to wear number 11 for the Rangers? Somebody wore it after Messier? No. You said the, the last player to wear number 11, you said? The last player to wear number 11 before Messier, sorry. Oh, before Messier, sorry. Uh, no, who? Well, the last player to wear number 11, aside from Mark Messier, was Adam Graves. 
That's funny, actually. <laughs> Adam Graves used number 11 when he just joined the Rangers. And then he switched to nine when Messier joined. Oh, I see the picture now. They have him with the number nine. They should, yep. put, a, they should put a six in front of it. That's literally what I just said. I commented on <laughs> the tweet saying they should add a six because he used number 69 as a rookie in the KHL. Oh, I was just thinking because it would be a funny number. You know, oh, no, no. But seriously, it, the number he used in his first season in the KHL was 69. Nice. Oh, please let it happen, please. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know I sound like a teenager, but I would totally. No, it would be. Her. It would be funny because every, because it would be a joke that would never end. Yeah, I mean, that's just oh, number sixty-nine. The only other player I, I can, I can name off the top of my head who used number sixty-nine was uh, Desjardins for the for the San Jose Sharks. That 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 that's crazy. I didn't even know that. <laughs> that's wild. But yeah, six sixty nine would be uh, would be would be very interesting. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it would be pretty nice. Yeah, but I, I don't care which number he gets. I mean, and and same with Kako. You know, pick your number, and make it yours. If Kako wants to go with a different number, just go for it. Yeah. The only number I care about is Kravtsov because I really want Kravtsov wearing number seventy four because it has such a special meaning to him. By the way, the New Jersey Devils just signed Wayne Simmons. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah. One-year deal, $5 million. Ooh, that's a bit steep. Yeah, but a one-year deal, so. Yeah, one year. I mean, you're not committing long-term. It's fine. Yeah. And it's like worst-case scenario, you guys are on a playoff team, you flip them. Get an asset. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At the deadline, you can always trade them. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, yeah. So, moving on, I mean, like, we were talking about Vegas a little bit, so... Um, so you know, I, would, I would be, I would be hold all on, over. Hold on, hold on. Circling back to the whole Vegas and Gusev thing. What if Vegas wants to, wants to add Chris Kreider? They can't though. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, you, you can make it work. They, got, they, 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 got, they got to take on some salary back. Well, we, we can retain 50%. Uh, oh, they you can, mean just for the, just for the year you're saying take him. Uh, yeah, just for the year. And, and you know, they can. I like that. I like that. Can, I like where this is going. They can figure it out. In the offseason, and Nevada is, is a state with no state income tax, so that's always a little bit of, a, of an advantage for, uh, for those teams. Because everyone always talks about the Florida teams, but Nashville, uh, the Nashville Predators, Dallas Stars, and Vegas Golden Knights have the same advantage. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely, I'll say this, they would have some advantage after the season because they got around $16 million coming off the books-ish. Yeah, so, well, yeah, they have Cody Eakin, Ryan Reeves, um, Nick Holden. McKenzie's coming off the books, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and like I said, I, I would even be willing to take on David Clarkson um, yeah. and, and his cap hit and just have him on our books, on IR. Uh, we're not banking any cap space. Oh, uh, also, uh, all-star Nick Holden will be coming off the books. Yeah, Nick Holden. You know, good guy. I mean, we got him for a fourth rounder. We traded him for a third rounder. That's... That that's that that's like that's like buying an uh, an an old an old car like a scrap and then fixing it up and selling it for for like two thousand bucks. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I never had a problem with Nick Holden. I mean, I, he was just he was not used the right way. He was he was just playing a role that was not suited for him. But if I, I mean Gusev Gusev is a guy that I would love. I'm just I'm 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 willing to go really far to get Nikita Gusev. And and you know 
it, it opens up the possibility to have a Russian five power play. Yeah, that Ooh. would be pretty awesome, dude. You you could you could have Gusev, Panarin, and Butchnevich up front, and then Kravtsov with with Rikov uh, uh, quarterbacking the power play, or may, maybe have someone else quarterbacking it and having Kravtsov on 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 either of the wings. I wish I knew how to sp- I wish I knew how to speak Russian because I would say something in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm I'm getting carried away. I don't think we're gonna get Gusev, but if we do. It's going to be another jersey I have to consider. I just, <laughs> I, I know we discussed this earlier, but I'm going to ask you the question again since we're recording now. Um, I'm, I'm giving you $250 right now, and you have to pick out a Rangers jersey. Which name are you going with and why? I'm probably going with Capo Caco because I think he symbolizes um, something big for this franchise. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good reason, actually. Um, as great as Panarin is, and as excited as I am for Vitaly Kravtsov to see him in Rangers blue, um, Kako is is going to be this French. This is going to be our Sidney Crosby. He's going to be our Alex Ovechkin. Um, he's going to be our Wayne Gretzky, like they had in Edmonton. Not saying that he's going to be as good as those players. It's just that he's going to be the face of the franchise for the next 10, 15 Maybe even twenty years. Um, he could be a he could be a lifetime ranger. Um, we we didn't we have never had a pick that was that was so universally liked as Capo Caco second overall. Yeah, you're totally right about that. So to wrap this up before we get to uh, the the draft stuff. So um, Let's go over some guys, and you tell me, yes or no, will they be traded? And let's project where they're going to go. Um, okay. So Chris Kreider, gun to your head, this summer, is he traded? Yes. Where? I still think Colorado. I dig it. I mean— I, I, could, see, I could see it, especially they had, they had interest in him already, so I The interest was there, yeah. And they got, mo- they got money. They can, just, they can just give him a deal now, so yeah. They have the cap space. And and you can adding, totally get adding, him and, 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 and make it work right now. Adding Kreider to that team, it, it gives them it gives them a really good top six. They have Rantanen, McKinnon, uh, uh, Landeskog, and Kreider. Um, that's, that's 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 a it. lot of that's a lot of speed too, man. Man, I yeah. just, I was thinking about that at, just as you were saying these names. I'm like, all these dudes can fly. Yeah, and and you know it, it gives them uh, uh, it gives them with Chris Kreider a guy that that could play very well with with either McKinnon um, uh, or or Rantanen. Um, it's it's they they also acquired Andre Burakovsky, so I don't know what they plan on doing with him. Uh, they have Tyson Yost, who's on his entry level contract, who will probably be be playing a lot of um, at least more minutes this season. But yeah, I, I could see Chris Kreider being a fit for them. Yeah, that's not a bad one. I'm still going to say Edmonton, um, just because I've said it for a while. I'm going to try to speak it into existence, and maybe we get a 2020 unprotected first. Yeah, gonna maybe. Speak, I'm going to speak it into existence. That's, just like, uh, and, and I like that speaking into existence phrase. Uh, I really want to credit um, Greg over at the, uh, the the Blue Shade Breakaway podcast because he says it all the time. I'm like, that's an awesome phrase. So kudos to him for. for or I don't. I've never heard of it before. He started saying it. So speak it into existence. 
I like I like it. It's very cool, and kudos to him for coming up with it. Um, so next player, let's go uh, Nemestikov. Uh, Edmonton. Okay, so you definitely think he's going, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you think he goes this summer or at the trade deadline? Yeah. No, I think he goes in the summer. I, it, it, makes, it just makes too much sense for me. The Rangers okay. need to still shed some salary, and uh, I think Edmonton is a good fit for him. I think Edmonton, and I, I don't think the return is going to be great, probably a third-round pick, but it's, it's going to be a good fit for, for both Namesnikov and the Edmonton Oilers if it happens. Um, how about Pavel Buchnevich? That's an interesting one. Uh, I don't think the Rangers will trade Kreider and Buchnevich. I think it's one or the other. I, I think you're right on that. I think you're right on that. But if he's traded, um, I think, again, Edmonton is, is a possible destination. I mean, I think if he's traded, I can come up with I can come up with like twenty teams that would want him. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean Buffalo, uh, and 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 here's the thing: he's a restricted free agent. Um, there's even if we sign him to a contract, you know, we can still trade him because he's in his RFA years, and you cannot have a no trade clause during your RFA years. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this I mean, is. I think the Rangers, the, like like we said before, the Rangers want to keep him long term. It's just if 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 he wants a bridge deal, the Rangers are going to explore options. If he wants to sign long term, the Rangers are going to listen. Yeah. So it, it it depends on how the negotiations go. I also think that that Gordon is not in a hurry um, because he can he can basically give himself a second buyout window by not signing Bujnevich immediately. Hmm. Let me think about that. So it might take a little bit longer for Bujnevich uh, to uh, to to come to terms with the Rangers yeah. if he does. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So the next one we got is Ryan Strom. Where are we on Ryan Strom? Ryan Strom is a guy that you know, as as great as he was, exceeding expectations. It's it's not a guy that I would miss. And honestly, it would be a guy that I even forget about in two years that he was ever on the Rangers. Um, yeah, I mean, and I know there's a lot of Rangers fans who will hate hearing this opinion, but Ryan Strom is a guy that I try to trade. Sell high because he had a good season? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's playing the stocks, right? It's You've got a guy that has revamped his career a little bit where he's got some really good value. And remember, he's a restricted free agent. So, um, and I believe is this is is this is this is he looking at UFA after this? Um, well, he is. Uh, he's twenty five now. Um, so he would be twenty six next year. Let me quickly check on the crude seasons. One, two, three, four, five. So after this season, he would have six. Yeah, he would. He would still be RFA. No, if he signs, uh, sorry, if he signs uh, even a one-year deal, he would reach uh, UFA status. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, he's only, he's only probably got maybe one more UFA, uh, RFA year, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then that's, that's, that's exactly my point too is, you know, and he's already making $3 million. So are you going to pay him $3 million to be, uh, you know, a, a middle six player? I mean, sorry, a bottom six player? Probably not. No. 
Probably not. So that's my point. And he's going to get a bump from that. So you want those bottom six roles. And, and I think, um, me and Drew have talked about this a bunch, and he made some really good points about how teams never get in trouble when you give an extra million and change or whatever to your top guys, to like a, a Zabanajad or a Panarin. But you get in trouble when you start giving out money to your um, your Stroms, your Nemesnikovs, your you know you, you know Hold what on. I mean. Your your bottom your bottom six players. When you start giving them an extra million or two, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And and Ryan Strom for th- for the three point one million, uh, he's not a bad player, um, but I just I just don't see a future for him uh, with the Rangers. I I don't either. Actually, I I think now do I don't I don't think he gets traded, but I do think he is on the, like meaning what I'm saying. I don't think he gets traded now, but I do think he gets traded eventually. That that's what I, I mean. So I I would definitely say he's not going to get traded this. Su- I don't think he's going to trade this summer. But I do. I think he starts the. I think he starts with the team, and I think he's a possible candidate for a um, trade deadline kind of move. Yeah, yeah. He's RFA next year, so the team acquiring him uh, still has has control over him. Yeah, which is which is which is outstanding. Matter of fact, you can even hold on to him for the entire year, which is great yeah. too. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think I think that's a that's a solid point. So. Moving from that, so I think that me and you are on the same page with Nemesnikov and Kreider. Buchnevich, I think, is, I think they're going to sign him. I just think that's what's going to happen. I think even if it's a bridge deal, the Rangers are just going to say, cool, we'll just do it just to keep you because I'd rather do that than Than lose you. Yeah, I'm not going to lose you for nothing, so we'll give you a bridge deal. And then, honestly, we'll move you. If the the Rangers bridge him, it's bridging to moving um, or just letting him walk depending on how he pans out. Yeah. Um, Chris Kreider, I think, is a goner now that now that Panarin is in the in the fold. Um, Nemesnikov, you think he's gone? I think that's probably likely. Um, I think Strom is gone, but I don't think he's gone right away. I think he's gone at some point during the season. Um, and other guys, I think, that are in this roster we can talk about that maybe haven't been talked about yet is uh, Jesper Faust. I think he's a player that... He's an interesting player, right? Jesper Foss. I, um, I know he doesn't get enough. Sometimes he gets overblown a little bit. Sometimes he doesn't get talked about enough. He's a weird player, but he's only making, you know, he's making actually great money. He's making like, I think, sub 2 million. Yeah, 1.85. Um, Jesper Fast is probably going to be a Ranger for quite a while. Um, Jesper Fast has won the, um, the, the award for your player of the year given by the other players, you know, in, in the Rangers organization, like several years in a row. He is such a popular guy in the locker room. He is so versatile. Um, if the Rangers can sign him for something around 2 million, maybe 2.2 for three, four years, I, I, I see that happening. I don't see the Rangers, I don't see a need to, um, to get rid of him. Uh, yeah, this, I think I think that's actually how I feel too. Yeah, and this this is completely different from the Carl Hagelin situation in 2015, where the Rangers simply did not have the cap space to keep him. Yeah, they 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 signed uh, uh they signed Mark Stahl to an extension earlier that year, and they still had Derek Stepan who was going to arbitration. They couldn't afford Carl Hagelin, who got four million in Anaheim, which was. I mean that that was a that was a great contract for Carl Hagelin. It was an awful contract for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, if Jesper Fast is willing to 
to sign a Jimmy Vesey type contract, like maybe a max 2.5, I could see him have value for the Rangers long term because he is he's a great locker room guy from from everything we've heard, and his versatility really helps. You know, he's he, he's he's never going to be a 20 goal scorer, but if your top line winger is out for a few games, you know, you can you can move him up a spot and he will not look lost out there. Yeah, I agree. With I that. think I think that's great to have on your team. I'm actually completely on the same page with you. I, I like Jesper Faust. You know, um, I think he's he's, he's 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 a great he's a great like quote unquote glue guy. He does a lot yeah. of things right. He's good on your bottom six. He can play in your top six if you needed it in a, in a, in, a, in a pinch. Yeah, there's a lot of things he does right. Yeah, I know. I mean, sometimes I wish he would just disagree with me for for once. Yeah, I know, right? It's it's kind of <laughs> annoying. Well, maybe we'll disagree here because we're getting, we're getting it to the defenseman. So, gun to your head, is Mark Stahl traded? Nope. Yeah. Okay. So we're still agreeing here. He's not I mean, here. yeah. I mean, he the, the organization values him as a person, not so much as a player. Yeah, and I think he's only look. He's only got two more years left. Five point seven million. Yeah, it's just write it out. Money. Write it exactly. Write it out and let him you know sail into the sunset. Yeah. Um, next one is Kevin Shattenkirk. Is he traded? No. I'm gonna say yes on this one. I think he. I think he's the. I think he's the guy that's traded. I don't maybe, know why maybe, I've been maybe, on that. Maybe training. maybe next year when there's one year left on his deal. Oh, I I don't know. Maybe, but I think he's traded. I don't know if he if he makes it out of the, the end of this season. I will say this though. Next year, July first. After we paid his signing bonus, Shattenkirk has one year left for a base salary of two million. That's you awesome. Can, you can you can retain fifty percent, and a team like Arizona, or any team that is not financially very, very strong, they can acquire a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk for one million actual money. A team a team that's that's close to the cap floor. Would would jump at the opportunity, but that would be after his signing bonus is paid July first, twenty twenty. Okay, I mean, I I think Kevin Shattenkirk gets traded within the next twelve months. So yeah, that probably falls within line. I think either this year or at worst next next uh you know next trade deadline. I mean, uh, next free agency slash you know, uh, um, you know after the, the two thousand twenty season. Yeah, possibly. I think that's I think that's. You know, after the nineteen twenty season, I think that's probably when he gets moved. Most likely, um, I don't think he finishes out his contract with the Rangers. I think that's highly unlikely. I think it's it's more likely he gets traded this summer. Um, and I know I'm probably alone in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so la- so Brendan Smith, how are we on him? I think Brendan Smith is gonna play the season in Hartford. So they're gonna bury him. There's there he doesn't have a no move clause, so we can, unlike Shattenkirk, actually send him to Hartford, uh, where I hope he could have sort of a mentor role like Wade Redden had a few years ago. Uh, I don't know if if that's going to work out, but Brendan Smith has a similar situation as Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, after his signing bonus is paid out next year, July first, he is his base salary is two point three million mm, for the final year. So again, a, a team close to the cap floor could acquire a, a, a player with a lower actual salary than his cap hit. And I think well, that's well, well the, someone on this team has to go. I think there's a defenseman that's going to have to go. And you're saying we're keeping all of them so far. 
Well, I, I, I don't think there's a market for Shattenkirk this season. I don't think there's a market for Mark Stahl, and I don't even think the Rangers are thinking of moving Mark Stahl. Uh, Brandon Smith is probably, in, in my opinion, probably going to spend the season in Hartford. Okay. Um, I don't think Libor Hayek will play a lot of games in the NHL this season. They'll probably I, have I tend to agree. They'll probably have him in Hartford, you know, uh, play some more games. Um, the thing I don't like about Hartford is the three games in three days, though. That, that schedule is brutal for any player. Um, what you're left with is Shattenkirk, Stahl, Shea, Fox, Truba, D'Angelo, and then yeah, maybe... You, yeah, you've essentially got Fox, Truba, D'Angelo, and Hayek for two spots. Um... Fox, Hayek, Truba, and D'Angelo are, try- are fighting for, for basically two spots on the team. Yeah. And three of them are right-handed in, you know, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, and Tony D'Angelo. So yeah. my guess is uh, Hayek is the lefty. He's also um, on his entry-level contract. He's not going to be moved unless, unless, unless it's in a, in a deal that makes sense. Obviously. That blows you away. Right, exactly. Unless it's a deal that goes, okay, well, well, we can afford to give him to give him up. So that leaves us with Adam Fox, who the Rangers just traded for, so don't think that guy's going anywhere. Jacob Truba, who the Rangers just traded for. I don't think they're going to get rid of him this quick. Is Tony D'Angelo the guy out? Uh, well, I remember we had a conversation a few weeks ago where I, where I, was, I was very, very confident that D'Angelo was going to be the player traded and not Neil Pionk. I was wrong. Um, maybe the Rangers are willing to overlook the, um, the off-the-ice issues that, that have been rumored, um, that, that they just look at the, at, at, at the value that he brings on the ice. I really hope they do, because I think he's a great, he's a great defenseman. But we've created a, a, a bit of a logjam with uh, the Adam Fox and Jacob Truba trade. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think that's a good point is having Fox and Truba on this team now uh, and still having you know, Kevin Shattenkirk in the, in the fold just creates so much of a logjam on that right side. So something has to give. And, and my guess is the Rangers are going to try to move Shattenkirk. That's been my guess. Um, they're, if they're unsuccessful, maybe they do flip Tony D'Angelo somewhere. I would, I would not like that to happen, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so difficult to predict what's going to happen here. If there is a market for Shattenkirk, if I'm wrong and there is a market, I think the Rangers will, uh, will accept an offer that comes their way. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, they will have one left. I don't know if you're going to ask me, but otherwise I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. Who will, play, who will play more games in the NHL this season? Shestyorkin or Georgiev? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm happy I'm asking the question and not mm. answering it. Dang. Georgiev. Okay. I, I think they're going to be... I think, they, I think that they have... They, they like Shostorkin, or should say love Shostorkin enough that I think they're really going to baby this along unless he just, unless he just plays out of his fucking mind. Yep. I mean, honestly, I think his game is going to dictate that. I think if he's playing out of his mind, it's almost like we can't keep him down. But I think 
if if all things are equal, like they're both like him and Georgia are both playing well, then I think that Georgia is going to take more of the games, and they're just going to nurse they're going to nurse him along. Yeah. All right, and then I have one more question for you. Uh, will Vitali Kravtsov or Capo Kako play in the AHL this season at all? I don't think Kako will. Okay. I'm going to say there's a possibility that, that Kravtsov could, and my only reasoning um, behind that is I do wonder... I look at Kako's game. I think it's very NHL ready. I look that's, at why Kravst- that's why it was a second overall pick. Right. And I look at Kravstov's game and I think it's I think it's super elite. I think the thing is I, I could see I could see him getting a little frustrated with the smaller ice right away. Um I don't think that's gonna you know, I don't think it's gonna be a big deal, you know, for the season. But I mean I could see something where maybe they want to send him down for a couple for for a little bit. I could see that. Mm. Um, but I do think I'll put it to you this way. I do think when it's all said and done, they're going to burn. They're going to burn a year of his ELC this yeah. year. Well, uh, f- for Kravtsov, like, I, like I don't think he's going to play less than ten games. For Kravtsov, his uh, his entry level contract is not slight eligible anyway because he's an early birthday. Oh. He was he was he was born between September fifteenth and December thirty first. So then, so, you know what? Then I would say neither one of them are going to play any any NHL yeah. time. He signed a contract in the calendar year of his twentieth birthday, so that's why it's not slot eligible. Okay, so then it doesn't. I don't think that matters. And matter of fact, when you look at this roster now with with uh, Panarin, Zaban, like I'm just looking at the forwards now. Um, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider, Nemesnikov, Strom, uh, Faust, Heedle, Anderson, Howden, Boo, Lemieux, and Buchnevich. You know, that is 11 forwards, and you want to throw in Kako and Kravstov, that puts that 13 forwards. Yeah, but you skipped Matt Bolesky, who's still listed uh, there. Yeah, but do you think he's going to play any time? No, he's going to be in the AHL, so that frees up a roster spot. So we will Oh, be... I see what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. oh, yeah, because I counted, I counted him, but I didn't count it. You're right. Okay, so then, that, then, we're, then we're fine in terms of forwards. Yeah, you um, would have 12 forwards. If you trade Nemesnikov, you would have uh, – sorry, you would have 14 forwards. If you're trading Mesnikov, you're left with 13, which makes sense because you have a spare. Yep. yep. And then, like I said, and, and we have still we have lots of time to go because this is the first day of free agency and first day where you know trades are going to start, you know, uh, getting hammered out too. So if we see Nemesnikov or Kreider moved, or maybe even Orion Strom or something like that, you know, the Rangers are going to make some moves, and they're you know they're. It wouldn't shock me, and we, I know you've talked about this, and a couple other people talked about the Rangers getting another center depth, um, even if it's for like two years, like a you know a veteran center. Uh, that could still happen, you know, especially when you if we move into Mesnikov, because that frees up some money there. So, I think there's still lots more that that hasn't been um, a lots more to be played out, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. One final question for you then. Yep. Will Leas Anderson? See AHL time this season, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, I think that's true. And I only say that because I, I think that I think there's there's so much now. You know what? Let me retract that. I, I think it depends on what the role what the role carved out from him and what his ice time is looking like. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I think that he's gonna be registered to having fourth line minutes this year. Yeah, I think they're better off putting him in the AHL at the top line. 
give him more minutes. I'd rather that at this stage. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's a good point. And last season, people were talking about Martin Neches with the Charlotte Checkers and Eli Tolvanen with the Milwaukee Admirals, I think. I think I think that that team is called the Admirals. Um, but I actually did a comparison uh, in February after Elias Anderson was called up. And Elias Anderson contributed to 22.2% of his team's goals, which is a higher percentage than uh, Martin Neches and Eli Tolvanen. So wow. as, as much as there's criticism on Elias Anderson for not producing and for not, you know, wowing fans, um, he is actually not performing worse than others from the same draft year who are considered blue chip prospects. Right. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that needs to get, you know, hammered home a little bit more and talked about. So, and, and that's a reason why if I'm the Rangers, matter of fact, I would even argue with all the talent that we've, that we've drafted and with getting, you know, more talented forwards on this team, it takes a lot of pressure off Leah Sanderson. You can put him in Hartford and say, you know what? Just, 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 just play and grow. Dude. Yeah. Just play. Yeah. And, and, and we don't, and, I don't want to rush. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rush the kid. And getting Karko and Kravtsov, it, it takes the pressure off of every other prospect. Hedl, it really does. It Alden, really does. Um, it just it, it, it gives the Rangers so many more options and, and so much more uh, uh, time to, you know, they can take their time with certain prospects instead of rushing them into the lineup and, and ending up with maybe a Mel Hotra situation that you don't want. Yep. Agreed. All right, All right. So with that, let's get to. Uh, you have anything else to say, or should we get to the? Should we? Should no, we get to I. I think that's enough. I think ninety. Yeah, I think so too. We've we've been at this minutes for a while. Talking, ninety minutes talking to you is 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 more than enough. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get to our guests, and we'll talk to you guys later. All right, welcome to the show, Drew Way and Steve Corniano. So I want to make sure I got, I know I get Drew's name right, but Steve, I always have to double check on your name. I got your name right, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You'd be, you'd be surprised how many people get my name wrong. Really? Drew Everyone Way? just, everyone assumes it's more complicated than it is. I always That's have to crazy. spell when I, yeah, when I say, well, what's your last name? Way. W-H-E-I-Y. No, no, W-A-Y. <laughs> so bad. All right. Well, it's um, you know, post wrap up for the uh, 2019 draft. We're going to talk about obviously. Let's start off with uh, with Capo Caco. I mean, I think um, we can basically both agree that this is like an A plus 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 pick here, right? I mean, there's no. Can you guys find any downside to picking Capo Caco at two? I don't think so, right? No, I mean, it's it's the greatest draft pick in Ranger history. With all due respect to Brad Park, I mean. No, he's going to be a star. He's going to be, uh, you know, barring anything catastrophic, uh, he's going to be the first, like, real star uh, player that the Rangers have developed in, uh, in quite some time, you know, at least from a skater standpoint. Uh, you know, he's just a phenomenal prospect. And like I've said in previous podcasts, we said even with you uh, and Steve, uh, I guess, last week or two weeks ago, where, you know, he, people like to use the line A Matthews thing but with cues, but it's lazy because they're different players. And, Unlike Line A, Kako has no red flags. There's, there was no concerns or anything about him. If you want to say celiac disease, okay, just eat gluten-free pasta. Like I mean, uh, you know, like there's no <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's no concern. I have no. I, I, it's very rare for me to say that about a draft prospect, but I have absolutely zero 
zero concerns about Capo Caco becoming a star. None. Yeah, big deal. He has to, he has to eat gluten-free food. Oh, no. Like, that's the end of the world. Yeah, no, I mean, Steve said it all. I agree with that all. The only thing that always triggered that in that line of comparison in particular always triggered me a bunch because he doesn't play anything like line a. Like If you want to make the Barkov anal- uh, analogy, that's still lazy, but I could at least somewhat see that. But line a like he's line, not even close to that type of player. But yeah, it's yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't like to use the word generational, but he's a franchise altering pick here and uh, really look forward to seeing what he can do over these next few years. Uh, do, do you guys envision him just out of curiosity on the first line this year? I mean, I guess that all depends on David Quinn, right? I, I think he's given our roster. I could see him playing on the first line, but you got to keep in mind. I'm also a big advocate of spreading your talent. Like I've never been a big, just load up your first line and go from there. I'm big on, you know, you roll your first two lines kind of similarly, try to spread out your talent a bit and then go from there. Um, but, uh, I mean, Quinn said he envisions him playing with Zavanajad. It's really, to me, it just comes down to a matter of who does he gel with? If, if, you know, him and Zavanajad develop a chemistry and he's doing really well, then yeah, sure. Keep him up there. But if it seems like he's playing better with say, like a, if Heedle's centering the second line and they seem to develop something, you know, I, I would just say he's, he's dead. I think he's got the ability to play a top six role this year. It's just a matter of who is he meshing with best on the ice. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you think? No, I think uh, it's just a matter of how he starts. You know what I mean? What kind of camp he has. Uh, traditionally, you rarely see, even the top players, you rarely see a kid being given uh, those keys to the castle immediately right off the bat. It's, 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 usually it's a merit-based you know, based system. So if he has a tremendous camp, he has great chemistry with whatever line mates he has, Yes, but again, you know, even though he's he's the superstar prospect, he's still it's he's playing in a completely different league, completely different surroundings. He's playing in New York City. He's not playing in uh, Turku, so there's a lot of factors to go in uh, that go into that. So I, I think the, re- realistically, he's going to probably start out as a top, uh, you know, nine or top six guy. But I it'll be I'll be surprised if he starts right out on the top line. But eventually, he'll end up there. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what's interesting is um, there are a couple of um, uh, prospect guys who were tweeting out the other day uh, about, you know, Calder candidates for next year. And it's amazing that the Rangers have two, possibly even three, if you really want to think about Adam Fox maybe having a monster year. But it's just when's the last time we've had that kind of, you know, influx of talent that quick? Uh, you probably have to go back to the, to the late eighties, early nineties, you know, look at the 91, 92, three, four teams where you had a Monty weight, uh, you know, Nemchino, Z- him. Yeah. Zuboff, that's true. Kovalev, that was the last time, right? Yeah. Zuboff, Kovalev, uh, even Corey Hirsch was, uh, you know, one of the top goalie prospects in hockey. I mean, it was, it was just that whole, even Richter really was a rookie in, in 1990. So that, that whole period from like 80, I guess 89 to 92 or 93, they were just pumping all these elite players, elite prospects into the system. And then, um, you know, it eventually had a profound impact on the team. But then again, you, you go back to maybe 2007, right? Uh, it was 2008 where Dubinsky came up and he was a top line center with Yager. And then you had Callahan, who, of course, we all fell in love with right away. Girardi, Stahl. Uh, Michael you know, Sauer. Sour. Well, I forgot but, about. Bit. I forgot about Sour, man. Yeah, Anisimov uh, too. Um, you know, Fedor Tutin. I mean, there was a lot of uh, really good prospects that we had that that came in right away. But I think in terms of elite, like no joke, star potential prospects, I think this is the best they've ever had. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, 
arguably one of the best goaltending prospects in all of hockey, arguably one of the best scoring wingers in all of hockey, and then easily one of the best power wingers in all of hockey and Kako. I mean, those three alone. And then you got one of the best offensive defensemen in hockey from a prospect standpoint and Fox. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we just got to, we got to tone down the expectations, but law of averages says that at least two or three of these kids are going to become stars. I mean, it's just, it's just how it works. Yeah, I, I, I would actually agree with that. Um, do you, do you, do you think that like the, the culture change might be difficult for him? Uh, I guess, you know, in his first season in the, uh, in the NHL. I mean, I think it's impossible to really answer that question without really knowing the kid. I would say that I personally, I always try to leave room for that in my expectations. It's a real big thing when you're looking at um, junior league hockey. A lot of times some of the uh, the stud young prospects that are coming over from Europe and playing their first year in the CHL struggle a lot. Um, and so, you know, Kako's only a couple of years older than that. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if, uh, you know, there might little bit of a growing pains trying to adjust to Manhattan life compared to what he's been used to. Right. Yeah. I, I think the Rangers have a pretty good track record of having a lot of Europeans around, um, you know, uh, in the organization, of course, obviously in the city. I don't, I don't, I know that Bay Ridge used to be a pretty big Scandinavian population. I don't think it's like that anymore, but uh, you know, with the Russians, it's easy because they could come to New York and just go to Brighton beach or Manhattan beach or, uh, you know, and they could, it's basically little Russia. So it's like home for them. Whereas the Scandinavian players, I don't know, uh, what that transition is like, but you know, you look at the past, you look at previous, uh, players that they've brought in Henrik Lundqvist, even though he was a little bit older when he came in, he, he was basically the King, uh, for like in Sweden, considering how well he did for, with Verlunda and his transition was absolutely seamless. Uh, so I think he's going to definitely have a lot of people on his side. I don't know what the plan is with his family, if they're going to you know, move uh, here to New York with him. Uh, I don't know what his off-ice uh, hobbies are, what he likes to do. But you have to figure there'll be a sort of an adjustment. Have they flown him into New York yet? or is that, is, uh, Do we know if they've done that yet? Or Well, he's in Connecticut right now. Connecticut, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So he, yeah. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's been to Manhattan. and Oh, yeah. Uh, so my buddies, uh, one of my friends is the is the, the crazy lunatic running around in the Pope costume. And he actually met Kaka the other day in Manhattan. And so, yeah, he's definitely been to Manhattan okay. already. All right. So it'll be, like I said, you got to give the Rangers, you know, for all the, the bashing that uh, they take from uh, the fan base, they actually, they're a first-class organization. I mean, yeah. they you, you talk to any player that's ever played for them, uh, they'll always say, and this is before Dolan, but this is before, uh, say, the, going way back, uh, how the, the the staff and the people in the organization at MSG uh, always take care of them. They, they give the plays everything. And that's why so many plays stick around afterwards uh, to, to work in the organization when they come back. So right. I'm not I'm not worried about Kako at all. I think he's a mature kid and he'll be all right. I completely agree. And, I, and my comment was more just like, you know, I'm definitely not worried. It's just, hey, it, it's always a possibility. And one thing I'd add, too, is I know that especially I mean, not that Kako is Russian, but I know especially with the Russian prospects we have that the Rangers do actually have like foster families almost for them. A friend of mine actually you know, is, is a Russian kid and his family and like a friend of theirs have like helped kind of like foster some of these kids. Um, this individual oh, wow. I'm speaking with, his family friend was in essence like Pavel Buchnevich's like almost like, uh, um, it's not a foster family, billet, but that's like a, like what a, it it's is. A, it's a billet family. It's a yeah, billet family. yeah, a billet family, that's it. Yeah, yeah, a friend of mine, like his good family friend was Pavel Buchnevich's family. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you're right about you know the, what the Rangers do uh, first class stuff. I mean, um, aside from the little snafu uh, the other day where they you know couldn't figure out what what hand the army uh, Artemi Panarin shoots in, but you know we can discuss that. It's just like I mean that was pretty. <laughs> you know that person who 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 made up that image, he definitely got chewed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to uh, to the second round. So Matthew Robertson. So how do you guys feel about Matthew Robertson in the second round? Got him 49th, so midway towards the back of the draft of the second round. Yeah, I guess I'll start with this one. I mean, that was tremendous value at 49. I mean, there were a couple guys on the board that I like. You know, I personally liked a little bit more. Like, I'm a huge Nick Robertson fan. I had Nick Robertson 20th in mind. But, again, I'm not going to be that guy that gets upset because they didn't take my guy. I'm just going to assess how I think the pick was. And Matthew Robertson at 49 is tremendous value. I mean, everyone talks about how he's a defensive defenseman, which is true, but he's also extremely mobile and he's got a very modern game. Like I've heard someone, I don't remember who it was, Steve, it may have even been you that said this, kind of called him like a, a bigger Anton Strawman. And I could definitely see that in that he's a big mobile guy who's excellent in transition and great at passing the puck. Um, one of the things that I know, like like everyone talks about Philip Philip Broberg's ability to skate the puck up the ice. But one of the things I saw when I watched him a bunch was sometimes when Broberg would get to the offensive zone, he didn't always know what the hell to do with the puck at that point. Whereas I think that's one thing that Matthew Robertson in particular excels at, where he's great at moving it up in transition. And then once he gets to the offensive zone, sort of establishing the blue line and then distributing it smartly to help maintain possession in the offensive zone. So I think he was a great pick at 49. Interesting. Steve, what do you think about Robertson? Uh I mean, I, I, I was surprised at the pick uh, in the beginning. We were all, because Dora 5 was still on the board. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so we, were, we were all like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. And then, of course, when they made the pick, it initial was shocked. Like, oh, my God, did they really just take another defenseman? But I'm like, wait a minute. I like Matthew Robinson. He's a great pick. I mean, I had him ranked, I think I had him ranked 34th or 35th. He was mm-hmm. a first-rounder for me for most of the season, and the only reason why he fell out of the first round was because I, you know, started liking other players and mostly forwards. Uh, he is—he's a really smart kid. He is polished. He's not—I uh, mean, if you watched him play going back to last year, what I loved about him the most is that he's mature, and his teammates look for him. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh no, we're in trouble. Where's Matthew?" You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I like that when and Bowen Byron was the same way. You know, obviously there's a there's a big not a big gap, but there's a sizable gap between Byram and Robertson. But in, in terms of Canadian-trained defensemen, I don't know why. I mean, I understand why, but when Thomas Harley was getting all this love about a possible top-10 pick, I'm like, you know what? He's got decision-making issues, man. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's very graceful, and he can pass the puck really well. But he's got decision-making issues, and you saw that in Mississauga all year. You saw that in the tournaments that he played in. Whereas Robertson does not give, show you that. He's a very cerebral kid. He's poised. Uh, you know, Edmonton was not that deep of a team this year, and I thought that he, he was hurt. He had some injury issues in the beginning of the season. But every time I watch him, I'm like, man, this kid is no joke. He could really handle a forecheck and skate his way out, pass his way out. He uses bank passes. There's a lot of uh, Ole Yalevi to his game, and I'm talking good Ole Yalevi, not like I have a, <laughs> I'm not talking like a million, I have a million injuries Ole Yalevi. Uh, and, uh, and remember, Ole Yolevi played on a powerhouse team in London, but he's very, he's like an instant breakout. So I think there's some pretty high potential for Robertson to put points on the board. He's not the classic power play quarterback, but he's got really soft hands and he can handle mm-hmm. passes from anywhere inside the zone, forehand, backhand, make accurate backhand passes, pump fakes, slap fakes. Uh, 
really a complete defenseman. I, I really like the pick it. Uh, well, after a couple of minutes of if, uh, sinking in that they did, in fact, take a defenseman again with a high pick, uh, you know, I, and I, I really you have to, in my opinion, this is I hope I'm not upsetting people, but I think you got to vault them up to near the very top of the depth chart in terms of defense prospects. I would put him ahead of Keandre Miller. I would put him ahead of Nils Lundqvist. Uh, I'd maybe even put him ahead of Adam Fox in terms of overall upside. Right. Yes, Keandre Miller had this wonderful season, but in terms of being a real NHL number one defenseman or number two defenseman, I could see Robinson being that. I really can. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the interesting thing from anything I've read is that his his absolute floor is like, a, you know, a, a, you know, to be an, a pro NHL defenseman. Like, it, it, there's very little risk there. Is that is that a fair yeah. take? Yeah, it is. Uh, I would be stunned. It, it, injuries or just turning into an asshole are the only routes of him <laughs> not making the NHL really like he's got he's a very NHL ready player he's he's got the size already the mobility the the brain um one thing that Steve mentioned that I agree with a lot is he really does have like a calming presence about him when he's on the ice which is something that's very noticeable when you're watching him play but yeah I mean my view on him is I mean I, I'm not quite there on his upside I mean I like him a lot don't get me wrong I do think he does have a lot of upside i I'd probably put, you know, I'd probably still have Keandre Miller or like Adam Fox above him. But that said, I agree that he's has NHL defenseman written all over him. And if I'm talking about, I like having the conversation of what's his most realistic outcome. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect him to be a second pair defenseman who's running your penalty kill and then can also contribute elsewhere as needed. Wow. Okay. I would, I would take that in a heartbeat, especially from a second round pick. Um, let's move on to the other second round pick a little bit later on, uh, Carl Henriksen, who I think, um, it seemed like a lot of people loved, um, you know, were just not sure about this pick. And then the more people dove into it, they kind of love this pick. So yeah. where do you guys stand on Carl Henriksen at, uh, at 58th? Steve, you can start this one off. Okay, but I, yeah. I, 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 I agree with, but I'm sure your reaction also was why not Dorfiev? Uh, <laughs> that was my reaction <laughs> for all these picks, but that aside, go for it. <laughs> You know, I, I like to pick a lot, and and some people want to take the knee jerk uh, thing of well, it's because of Lucas Raymond. Like, no, man. If you watch Carl Hendrickson play, he is a tenacious two hundred foot center. He's fast. He's got incredible hands. Very good vision. His decision making off the rush is excellent. Um, you know, it's not like uh, he was basically giving the puck to Raymond uh, at the at the defensive zone circle, and then Raymond did all the work. Like. Hendrickson is a really cerebral player. He's very smart. He's very mm -hmm. talented where, you know, his zone entries, he could enter the zone a whole bunch of ways. He got into the zone with speed. He got into the zone uh, deliberately. He's not afraid to go inside. Uh, really. I, I love the pick. I really do. I, I had him yeah. as a third rounder because just because of the like sheer, but I guess, you know, I'm, I'm always a pro Russian guy when it comes to prospects, there's no Russian factor in my rankings. So uh, obviously I'm going to be a little bit more partial to the Russian kids, but you know, you're talking about one of the top centers at the J20 Super Elite level, uh, an outstanding resume from an international standpoint. He's not very big, but he, he's involved in the forecheck. He'll finish his checks if necessary. Really good on faceoffs. He can kill penalties. So really a, a complete center, if you ask me. I like him a lot. Yeah, completely agreed. I had him at 60th in my rank. So I think, what was it, pick 58 or 59 where that was? So I was like, yeah, I have him ranked exactly here. So I was happy. Agreed with everything Steve said on his evaluation of him. And one thing that stands out to me the most is, you know, there's a big difference between someone being fast and playing with pace. And Henriksen is fantastic at actually playing with pace. Not only is he fast 
with the puck, but he, as you said, he makes decisions quickly and everything he does is at a high level and a high speed. Um, also like, and I did get the concerns of Raymond and that was a little bit of a concern of mine too. Um, I, I had watched him a couple of times, but admittedly, I, I think I maybe saw him play two or three times. Um, so I didn't, so that concern was there for me, but uh, this guy, Evan Oppenheimer on Twitter does a lot of uh, data analysis, trying to get down to the bottom of who's driving play on lines and stuff like that. And he put out a good tweet pretty much showing where Henriksen's production's coming from. And a normal amount came from Raymond. And, yeah, that, you know, usually when you're playing with a stud, like, I mean, Lucas Raymond is most likely going to be a top five, not top three pick next year. When you're playing with a stud like that, you'd expect it to be a bit of a disproportionate amount. But it was, it was just like kind of your normal amount that you would expect. And that was really nice to see. Like I said, when I watched it, I thought I saw that. But it was also nice to then see the data also back that up. Right. Yeah. Speaking of what, what do we have to do to get Lucas Raymond back there anyways? <laughs> I've, I've just started recently watching him this week and the kid looks like an absolute superstar. Well, well yeah. Holt, Holt says the shot, the better shot of the two, I would say. I mean, both of them, Mikey, them too. I love Noah Gundler over there. I mean, there's so many prospects coming to this next draft, but we, we can talk about that later. Right, right, right. All right. So getting on to the third round here, we get to Zachary Jones. Uh, now, I'll admit, know nothing about Zachary Jones. So you guys tell me about Zachary Jones. This was another swing for upside, in my opinion, and I was fine with it again. I mean, I, by this time, this is now the third time they passed on Dorfiev, and I thought I was going to have like a little bit of a heart attack at this point. Um, but again, I, I want to analyze the pick, not just what I personally would have done. And I had Zachary Jones ranked at the beginning of my third round. And uh, so this was, I thought, pretty good value where we took him. And he's a very dynamic, offensively gifted defenseman. He certainly has issues in his own zone. Um, he actually, the comparison I used uh, on the Blue Shirts Breakaway pod is he reminds me a little bit of Neil Pionk with the way he plays defense in that he seems oh, to... Don't, don't say that. Well, the, well, listen, so he's a great skater and he, he just, he relies on a skating too much when he plays defense from what I've seen. So instead of maybe just relying on positional play and, and trying to focus better on having better gap control and cutting off the passing lanes and stuff, he tends to change chase to play too much and try to you know use his skating to defend and so it, it manifests itself in like I just said chasing the play a little bit too much but hey he's he's a fantastic talent a really smart player and you know that the sort of stuff that he struggles with are are things that a good coach can you know coach out of you or, or coach into you so um, I thought it was a good value pick and I was happy with it yeah Steve what do you think about Zachary Jones Oh, I love him a lot. I mean, I had him ranked uh, pretty much like a fourth, or maybe fifth or sixth round. They're only because, uh, you know, it's just the sheer volume of players that I get a chance to see. Uh, but the thing I liked about him is that, he, yeah, he's about 5'10", a buck 72. But he was the general. He was the on-ice general for Tri-City. He basically, everything ran through him. He played on the penalty kill. Uh, slot coverage for a smaller mobile defenseman is very good. Active stick, uh, not guilty of puck gazing. Sometimes with these small defensemen, you see them uh, kind of just staring at the play and like waiting mm -hmm. for stuff to happen. Uh, so, uh, in, in, from the defensive standpoint, uh, not uh, not too worried. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I love his ability to run the power play. And I said this, I think, on every pod. I even said it on on your podcast. How I want them to go. Yeah, they have Adam Fox, but if they're going to draft a defenseman, I want them to draft a pure power play quarterback, a guy that just understands how to distribute the puck, can make yeah. plays on his forehand or backhand, can you know, stay in motion, orchestrates the weave, orchestrates the cycle pretty well. Right. Uh, so uh, he attacks openings. That's a big thing with me too. Uh, similar to Billy Hynol. I'm not going to say he's, uh, he's got that type of upside, but 
you know, you watch the great uh, offensive defensemen. They attack openings. They, mm-hmm. they get the puck. Pressure comes to them. They, they, give the, they, they uh, release, and they dart for that opening, and they, it's almost like a, a give-and-go type of situation. So uh, the way that he was able to distribute the puck to uh, utilize the strengths of his teammates, all those things really were, were uh, high-level to me. I mean, for a, a young defenseman, easily one of the top defensemen in the USHL, and uh, saying, yep. saying a lot for a guy born in uh, late 2000. So, uh, you know, he gets out muscled in front of the net and, you know, listen, he's a smaller guy, but he, he battles though. He battles. He does not back down from a challenge. So, uh, in that regard, I I think this is a very good pick a little bit higher than I would have uh, expected him to go. But again, you know, it's a college kid going to UMass. You let him marinate and just see what happens. And even with being out muscled, which I agree with, like, you know, I hit the weight room a bit, you know, you, that, that's one thing that I never get too concerned. And cause you hit a, like, he's not afraid. And that's what I kind of look for. I don't get worried if someone's getting out muscled because, you know, once you get into the pro development program, they have resources to help you put on weight that, you know, some of these junior programs don't, but the fact that he has no fear, he battles and he, he doesn't shy away. I mean, he certainly doesn't watch the puck. Like I said, if anything, my issue is he's actually a little too aggressive and constantly chasing it. But right. no, nah, was, it's definitely a nice upside pick. And, and my overarching philosophy with this is the Rangers have so many nice prospects. But, you know, coming into the draft, it's, hey, we want a couple more high-end ones to really round it out. So I'm perfectly fine with taking home run swings like this on talent at this point yeah. in the draft. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, the next guy. Now, this is where I, I'm starting to get. I'm not, <laughs> Hunter Skinner. Like I don't. I, I, I admit yeah. it. I the minute I saw the pick, I actually started googling the guy, and I couldn't yeah. find anything. Well, on him. listen, I, I have a thirty like five seconds to say on him, and then I'll kick it over to Steve. Right. But the only reason I knew he existed was because I watched the Muskegon game earlier in the year because I wanted to see Jaeger Afanasyev. and you know I saw Hunter Skinner on the ice, and you don't forget a guy whose name is Hunter Skinner. <laughs> and that's it. That that's the only reason I even knew he existed. That said, I'm not gonna sit here and get all outraged about a fourth round pick. But not neither am I. The guy they took in the seventh round, I actually, you know, I had was on my radar. Um, you know, I, I don't go nearly as deep as Steve does. My little sheet that I have where I keep all my notes and data and stuff like that went about 160 players deep, and Hunter Skinner wasn't even remotely close to being on the radar for me. Yeah, I I didn't even know who this guy was. Steve, can you tell us about him? I know I know nothing. Yeah. About- well, okay, so here's the thing. And I, people, you know, I've had some NHL scouts and NHL front office types uh, email me nasty grams saying, you know, why are you uh, minimizing, like, because I, I use the term random. It's a random pick. It's a random pick. It's a basically, it okay, yeah. there was, and I'm, before I go too far off the subject, I scouted, if you want to say scouted, I, I, I watched the Chicago Steel a ton this year. Mm-hmm. I love Chicago as a city. It's only about a, what, a six, seven hour drive from Nashville. Uh, I was able to see them in central Illinois, obviously with the NTDP. So I saw them a lot. And it's like, I went to these games and I saw so many guys on Chicago, Abruzzisi, Masters, all the Italians, Masters, Simone, Abruzzisi, uh, and then a, a whole bunch of other kids, even kids for 2020. And then I forgot which team it was, but they're like, so was, some team was making a pick and they said, and from the Chicago Steel, we take uh, Jake Schmaltz. And I'm like, What? Yeah, that, that kid was like a fourth liner. He was he was literally a fourth liner. He played like eight minutes a game, and I I, I my notes are pretty copious and very in depth. And I had well, I, I said plugger like you know checker like <laughs> nondescript. So it's literally like someone. It's it's literally like to put it into Ranger terms. It's literally like going up to the to to like a Ranger fan saying, you know what, 
Tanner Glass has been the best Ranger all year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, he hasn't been. Like, yeah, he has his moments, but he's definitely not the best. He hasn't not even close to that. Oh like, so, like, you would take Tanner Glass ahead of Buchnevich and Kreider and Zabanajet? Yeah, 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 I would, I would. That's, so, the Hunter Skinner pick, now listen, he's a big kid and he could skate. So, he's that, those two things right there. And he's a pretty physical defender. So, you have a physical defender who could skate. You want to say he's a little bit like Brady Shea? Okay, I could see that. Uh, but again, like you're scouting the USHL and there's so much skill in that league. This was the, yeah. the coming out party really for the USHL. And, you know, he's got a pretty good shot. What kind of upside do I see? Could he be like a John Moore type, maybe a fifth, sixth defenseman on a good team? Uh, but again, like that, that was the one pick that I'm like, what? Like, okay, the, now we back to being the old Rangers again, where we're going to pass on. Uh, so now think about where the draft is up to that point. They've now taken three defensemen, right, right, out of their first five picks. Obviously, the two forwards are excellent, but now they've taken three defensemen. So it's like, you know, what, what are they doing? What are they, why are they getting more defensemen? They don't need any more. So, and there but, was some real talent on the boards, and I'm sure you know, like, like Steve, if, uh, I know you were saying you like the Russian guys left. Like, if they really wanted this defenseman, like, Semyon Chist- uh, oh, Chistikov, he was sitting oh, my there. Goodness. Like, grab he was, him at that point. If yeah, really Baranov, Baranov, all, any of those Russian defensemen, really. Uh, just, well, this, uh, even the, some of the Swedish defensemen that, uh, like, Ludwig Hedstrom, uh, they, they didn't even get drafted or, uh, yeah. you know, Albin Yarn was, I could go on and on about all the Swedish kids that I like from on defense. So, but again, let's look at the pick big kid could skate. Uh, I think he's going to go to Western Michigan or Northern Michigan. I always got those two mixed up. Western Michigan, I think is the powerhouse with that. Andy Murray coaches. Well, I think he coaches them. Uh, but, uh, so if he's going there, he's in good hands. He, he's going to marinate, not a big deal, but again, they, they, they probably obviously like the speed and the size. So that's what you get in Humphrey Skinner. Yeah, I mean, that, nothing else. I, I actually want to get to uh, to the next pick. Who um, yeah. I remember when it came when it came out. I, I I saw one clip on him. I says, "Oh my goodness, this guy can skate." <laughs> but yeah. I don't know much on him other than I saw that I I just saw one clip of him skating. I was like, "Who is this? Who is this lightning rod that can skate?" Like, uh, so tell me a little bit about about Altonen. Go first, Steve. I know you got to leave in a couple of minutes. All right, uh, Altonen is a phenomenal skater, obviously, but he could finish off the rush as well. He's got a bullet-rich shot. He could, he's been, I said, the Rangers think Tony Amante, but, uh, you know, the thing about Altonen, though, is that he, originally the optics were like, ah, oh, finesse play, a perimeter play with nothing but speed and a shot. Okay, ooh, big whoop. But from the very beginning of this season, someone must have got a hold of him and said, hey, listen, dude, you got to play defense. you got to have a higher compete level away from the puck, and he did that. And this is a winger now. He's not mm-hmm. a center. So you have a winger now who's supporting his defenseman down low, finishing checks, battling hard for pucks in the corners. Um, you know, Finland had a, a pretty much just a, the same top line at all those U18, U18 events. It was Patrick Pustola on one wing, Alton on the other wing, and then uh, uh, Anti Sorella at center. Then they mixed it up a little bit. But that was their powerhouse line. And, man, they had such great chemistry without them being obviously the fast bullet shot guy. So I love this pick. I think it's a home run. I had him out high in the second round, a borderline first rounder. So it was really a come to Jesus moment for me in the Rangers. I think, you know, that, that from that point, I said, okay, now I really can never be mad at these guys. So they really just drafted one of my favorite plays in the draft. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the little bit I saw, I, I mean, like I just watched after they, they picked him. I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, how's this guy still on the board? <laughs> Yeah, he he was a home run pick. I didn't have him quite. I mean, I had him at 80th in mind, but still, at 
130th. We just took my 80th rent guy, so I was thrilled. And if you want just like a real lazy comparison for Ranger fans that that might, they might know, think Carl Hagelin. If Carl Hagelin didn't have stone hands, so gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, and and he's got a shot. Like, I like that you brought up the shocks. I haven't heard that many people bring that up. Like, for a five foot nine, hundred seventy pound kid soaking wet, he's got a lot of power behind his wrist shot. Really? Um, and that's really stood out to me when watching him. Yeah. So okay. it's, I, I was, he's a well-rounded player. He's not just a speed demon and I would love this pick. Okay. That, 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 you're like, I'm making me like this more and more. Uh, so the next guy um, looks like his name is Adam. Edstrom. Edstrom, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know much on this guy. So I'll let you, I'll let you guys go on that on, on Adam Edstrom. Um, yeah. All right. Well, well, I mean, listen, he, he, he is a, uh, a Michael Rasmussen uh, slash uh, uh, thing of a big scoring winger hybrid. He could play center or wing. Uh, you know, he, he played a good chunk of his games in the SHL, barely played, was nondescript his whole time in the SHL. So it was more like he was physically mature to be able to contribute uh, in that regard. Uh, you know, obviously, when you watch these kids, very good hands around the net, excellent shot, his size. Mobility isn't too bad either. Pretty good stride. He's not like clunky or like Elmer Soderblom is a guy that the Red Wings took. Who is similar Six foot eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, that kid can't skate. I don't even know nope. why. I mean, it's a typical Detroit pick, but uh, I really like the fact that the Rangers went for him. Now, there was another kid that got drafted that was on my radar, but I didn't rank him because didn't, I didn't see him a whole lot, but I watched him a couple times. And it was uh, the, the teammate of Foyk on Sodertalia and – his name is uh, uh, Isak Walther, I think is his name. He was the pick that I would have taken because he's, he's, he's tall, he's lean, but he could fly. And he's got great hands and he's a very good playmaker. So Edstrom, a little bit of a project pick. Okay, he's got the size, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the, the upside is there. I mean, do, do I see him as like maybe a third, second or third liner? Not a second liner, maybe at best a third liner. But again... Big kid with good hands and good skate. Uh, why not? Why not take a shot at it? So it wasn't like I hated the pick. I just felt like typical. There's, I thought there was more skill with similar uh, or similar uh, measurements uh, still on the board there. Okay. Yep. And I, I, I'll, I'll get to but Steve. I know you have to go. Is there anything you want to say about like our last round pick before you got a jet? Uh, who was their last pick? Uh, Eric Eric Ciccolini. Okay, yeah. Ciccolini. Okay, the Italian kid from uh, Toronto. Yeah. All right. This kid is a very underrated uh, playmaker and passer, yep. okay? He's got really good size, very smooth. He's a very good skater. He's got a nice, graceful stride. Uh, I, I think he's going to go to Michigan, too. But he is a, a very calculated and crisp and clean playmaker, and uh, especially on zone entry. So he can make plays off the zone entry. Excellent uh, timing plays, saucer passes right on the tape, catching people and uh, teammates or linemates in stride. So uh, I, I liked it a lot. I had him ranked around 195, so he was a late-round pick for me to begin with. But, again, his size is going to go to Michigan, so you know he's going to work out and fill out. But, you know, hockey sense, vision, creativity, th- those are very important to me, and he's got a lot of it. So just keep an eye on him for later on. Okay. Uh, do you – I mean, so why did he uh, – so it seems like he's a decent pick. Is there a reason why he was, you know, towards the back end of the, the, the draft, you think? Um, I think well, he he's he played the OJHL. Unless you're like a real super elite, oh, uh, you know, so. major junior prospect uh, that you know, like a, let's say an Alex Newhook or a uh, Jack McBain from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those kids are like, you know what? I really got to go to college. My parents will kill me if I don't. Uh, he's a situation where you know, if he played if he played major junior in the OHL, he probably would have had a pretty productive season. I mean, he has that that kind of skill. Uh, so if you talk to the Ontario people, they like him a lot. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm not making out. I don't want to make the kid out to be Kucherov or anything like that. I mean, he, he obviously has some flaws. He's, he's not very good, uh, uh, you know, uh, balance-wise. He could stand to improve his balance a little bit. He could get shoved off the puck pretty easily. Uh, but, again, you're looking at a, a four – listen, Carl Hagelin went to Michigan, was a six-round pick. He turned out to be a stud. So mm-hmm. this is a kid. He goes to a powerhouse program like that. You surround him with really good talent. And uh, he might – you know, so I think almost like Booney Evans. There you go. He's, he's like basically okay. like a poor man's Booney Evans. Not as skilled and uh, creative, I guess, because Bull was on an elite level at his draft year. But uh, I, I do think he has some upside. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, that, that's fine. The seventh round. Uh, anything, anything to add to that, Drew? No, nope. I, like she hit it all. I, I thought he was a pretty talented kid. I was happy with that. And going back to the, you know, the sixth round pick. Like I said, I don't, admittedly don't know that much about him. Um, I do know, like, there were a couple guys on the board that I still liked a lot. Um, like, it's this kid like Nicholas Porco that I think the Stars took from Saginaw. Like, he was a guy that I kind of liked in that range that – actually, no, he went in round five. Um, I'm trying to, oh, uh, for the round six, like, Ben Brinkman was a guy that Dallas, was the guy that Dallas took later on. Yeah, the big defenseman. Like, yeah, like, he was one that was like, you know, if you're going to go these random routes. But the guy that they passed on that really I wanted in that range was uh, – Ye- uh, I don't know if it's Igor Yegor or Igor Serduk. He was um, the Flyers took him, of course. Victoriaville, yeah, the Russian yeah, kid. I mean, I had him in my my final rankings. I had him just outside my second round, but at one point, I had him as like a back end of the second round kid. Uh, and so I was uh, he. I would have loved him, and he's a right winger too. He's got a lot of talent. Would have been perfect for our prospect pool, especially as a lot of our wingers are uh, graduating. All right. So, what would you give? What, what would you guys give the Rangers' uh, overall draft grade here for for 2019? If you you know, lo- like loosely, you know, I'm obviously not going to grade every single pick because that that would take a while. But like a loose grade, you know, that you're pretty you're pretty firm on. You know, uh, considering, you know, if if your if your measurement is at least a few of them will be, you know, like maybe two million pro NHLers and maybe maybe some home run picks. Yeah. Um. So I, I I graded them. I. I I, overall, I'd give the Rangers an A minus for their draft. Uh, day one, A plus. You got Papo Caco. Can't complain about that. Day two, um, some picks I loved. One or two, I wasn't thrilled at. But overall, I'd say like a solid B plus for their performance in day two. So I'd average that out and say, yeah, I give them an A minus for the draft. No, I don't think anybody can complain about this draft. Uh, matter of fact, I think I, you know, I don't want to say they, you know, obviously getting the the second overall pick just increases your chance of of having a stellar draft. But um, the one thing that I did like is that there was at least two or three picks that it looks like they really like just, they swung for talent. They were just like, you know what? We don't care. We've got a decent prospect pool. And it was even some, even though some of them are the defensemen, like you talk about maybe like a Zachary Jones or maybe like a Robertson or something like that. Like, you know, the, the Carl Hendrickson pick, like they took a couple of guys that, you know, it could actually turn out to be real studs down the road and, and look like geniuses down the road. So I, I, I like, I like when you've got, you know, your short pick with your Capo Caco and then you're like, okay, I'm going to take the rest of these picks and I'm just going to swing for the fences because this, I have nothing to lose here. So, um, I, I kind of yeah. like stuff like that. You know, those are the kind of drafts I usually like, you know, when, especially when you know, you've got like a guy like Capo Caco. Oh. So real quickly, how do you feel about, you know, the, the, the way the Rangers are going to go with their free agency period? Do you have any takes on that or any opinions so far? Yeah. Well, my, I just have one overarching opinion. I'm cool with Panarin. Um, if you strike out on Panarin, don't do that thing where you just throw money at a bunch of the BC and D level guys. Um, Carry your cap space. You can weaponize your cap space if you have it. So if you miss out on Panarin, stay the course and you know try to take advantage of a team like the Leafs or the Lightning or the Vegas Golden Knights that might be finding themselves in a real tight cap situation. Um, and yeah. Yeah, don't go out giving Duchesne $9 million for seven years. Right, or exactly. Or don't go out and like 
giving overpaying Pavel. Really, just don't go out overpaying anyone. You know, if you want to get a couple depth guys in because uh, you know you do need to have certain types of depth players that can do some of the dirty work to help out and let your prospects shine. You know, that's cool, but don't go overpaying anyone, especially in term. And like, you know, if you're going to overpay a player, you always overpay the star. Cause the way you want to look at it is if you, if a guy that's worth 10 million, you give $11 million, you just overpaid him by 10%. Overpaying a $1 million guy by 10% means giving him a $1,100,000 contract. So like, if you look at it in that terms, like it is you know, so much more efficient to, if you're going to overpay, you overpay for a star, not for depth. Yeah, no, I, I wish more people would actually uh, listen to that. I, I think what you said is probably one of the more brilliant things I've heard is that people don't understand that when you overpay, um, you know, a superstar and, you know, let's say his value is 10 million, you give him, you know, 10, 10 and a half or 11 million. It's really at the end, they not that big of a deal. But when you give a guy who's maybe worth 4 million, 6 million, that's when you start to get in some trouble. Yeah. And that's when you get into these, that's when like, like Tampa Bay right now with the Ryan Callahan contract. And, you know, obviously it sucks to, that he's dealing with these chronic back issues from awfully convenient timing, but neither here nor there. Um, but like, you know, they're trying to move the guys like Killorn and Tyler Johnson and Ryan Callahan and, you know, all good player, JT Miller, all good players, but none of them are guys you just have to have on your team, but they went and handed out, you know, four to $6 million contracts to all of them. And now they're sitting there trying to move them so they can afford their Kucherov and their Braden point and their Victor Hedman and all that. Right. Get excited for that 2020 draft. Cause it's funny, but even two years ago, we were talking about 2020, like it's the, you know, hottest thing ever. And like, it's actually here. So if you're someone who likes prospects, I like listening about prospects and then just watching whatever you guys tweet about and then like doing my own little like video watch. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm actually more pumped up about 2020 even than, than anything else, uh, as far as like other than the, the Rangers itself. So, um, I know you're probably already starting to think about that, right? Yeah, yeah, I've already started. I already got my little spreadsheet for the 2020 and starting to take my notes and data analysis and stuff like that. But I agree. Looking forward to the season. Looking forward to how our prospects develop. Looking forward to next year's draft. And I'm um, also looking forward to just relax a little bit now and uh, kind of put some of this behind me before I got to get really ramped up with some of the rest of the stuff I'll be doing. Totally. All right. So before we go, plug your stuff. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Drews underscore way. So D-R-E-W-S underscore W-A-Y. Um, you can, all my prospect work gets published on blueshirtsbreakaway.com. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Awesome job, man. Yeah, you're, you're always the best. You know, you're the best. I love having you on. I love having Steve on. You guys are great. It's, you know, for someone like me that actually is kind of a hockey nerd and likes, likes stuff outside of the NHL, um, I look forward to this kind of stuff. So I'm always, you know, happy whenever I have you guys on. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure. I had a great time too, and I'll be talking to you soon.